Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Liberty at Night with Nate and Charlie on the Free Talk Live Network. How's it going today, Mr. Charles Chuck Thompson? Free Talk Live. How's your Tuesday going so far? Well, this is live. It is live right now, tonight. Yes. Right now, the time that you're listening to it. My Tuesday was good. Good. Your Tuesday was good. I had it. Are you excited about tomorrow? Yeah. Since it's so late, you're about ready for bed, I bet. Yeah, pretty soon. Yeah. Okay. Making sure. Making sure. Well... Just so you know, we also have a podcast called Good Morning Liberty that we do every every single day of the week when we want to. It's earlier today we were recording Good Morning Liberty episodes, and now here we are talking about the same things again tonight on Liberty at Night with Nate and Chuck on the Free Talk Live Network. That's right. How was your Tuesday? (laughs) My Tuesday was great. I had a perfect day. Everything went swimmingly. Not a single thing went wrong. It was amazing. And that's what happens when you believe in liberty. I know. Right? That's what it's... Man, be, tell you what, being a libertarian these days, you got nothing to worry about. No, nothing, nothing to stress about. Your life just falls into place. Everything's fine. <laughs> all the time. All right? Hey, go to joingmail.com. Hang out with the Fed Haters Club. They're in here uh, talking to us, saying crazy things like it's not actually nighttime right now. I don't know what they're talking about. They're all crazy. Go to joingmail.com. Hang out with the Fed haters club do you think we'll get an award for being the most sarcastic podcast radio show in in the land of course we will charlie (laughs) of course we will in fact i'm sure there are people lined up outside the door with the sarcasm awards right now at this very moment you know it's with somber tone that i have to bring to you the news and i know this is a shock this is a shock but Our former president, Donald John Trump, has been indicted. I did everything right and they indicted me. Exactly. That's from a previous indictment, but... This is he did it. it this is a new one. We need yeah. to hit it two more times. Actually, oh, okay. <laughs> I did everything right, and they indicted. That me. was for number three. Okay, okay. And this this is Georgia. Okay, now this is for yesterday in Georgia. I did everything right, and they indicted me. Okay. There we go. Been indicted four times now. Four major indictments that I that I mm. know of, but he has now been charged in the Georgia election probe. Charlie, this one's different. It's a little scarier for the big Trump fans out there, the MAGA hat wearing folks out there, because this one are state crimes. Mm. And as we know and have never misspoken on before on this show, you can't pardon that as a president. Mm. And so this is tricky. And I believe in Georgia, even the even the governor can't just pardon people. So is it like Texas where they have to? It might be more like like a board mm. of of pardons, not like a parole board, but like a pardon board, pardon review board. I'm making that up. I did not look into Georgia's pardoning rules whatsoever. Uh, So if this one sticks, I don't know what that means. Could he actually uh, fulfill his duties as president from a jail cell? That is the, or would they just put like an ankle bracelet on him for the four years that he's going to be the president? I don't know. He couldn't get near water then. He couldn't get his ankle monitor wet. wouldn't want to do that. Mm -mm. We know that. Um, So anyway, he's been indicted on this thing in Georgia. We're not lawyers per se, but we have been following the Trump indictments on X.com. So it's kind of like being lawyers, Mm. you know, like when we all used to be doctors, 
Yeah. And all the other specialties. Mm-hmm. We're climate scientists sometimes. Okay. Today we're going to put our law degrees on. Mm-hmm. Just and because I don't have a JD doesn't mean I don't know. He's an amateur lawyer mm. over here. He yeah. studies a lot. I can read. He reads some of the books. He hasn't taken the bar, but he could probably pass it <laughs> by next week, I bet. Mr. Charles Chuck Thompson. Chuck. Plus, the bar is just a government test anyway. I, I mean, know. Yeah, it's fake. You think the government needs to certify me to argue against the government? No, I don't believe. I There's don't a believe reason you can represent yourself, which I don't recommend. But. Here's the uh, Fulton County District Attorney, Fannie Willis, announcing her somber indictment as well. County grand jury returned a true bill of indictment charging 19 individuals with violations of Georgia law arising from a criminal conspiracy to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election in this state. The indictment includes 41 felony counts and is 97 pages long. Please remember that everyone charged in this bill of indictment is presumed innocent. The indictment alleges that rather than abide by Georgia's legal process for election challenges, the defendants engaged in a criminal racketeering enterprise to overturn Georgia's presidential election result. Subsequent to the indictment, as is the normal process in Georgia law, the, the grand jury issued arrest warrants for those who are charged. I am giving the defendants the opportunity to voluntarily surrender no later than noon on Friday, the 25th day of August, 2023. Hmm. So... From what I can tell, we're actually going to get a mug shot this time, which is what everyone's been waiting for. Mm. They are asking for them to surrender. For now, does the Secret Service have to stay in the jail cell with him <laughs> if he goes to, to jail? Stay in it. Yeah, yeah. Do they all have to go through the same criminal proceedings too? <laughs> I don't you know. know. And they technically can't. Yeah, I don't know you what get the rules secret are. Secret Service protection for life. <laughs> so now, if, if you're a convicted felon, though, does that carry? Through? I mean. I don't know. Still a former president. This is all, this is new ground that we're breaking right now. Mm. I don't know what the rules are. Um, I, it, it, let me ask you this. If you were Trump, now she's given everyone until next Friday at noon to surrender voluntarily. If you're Trump, though, do you want to not surrender voluntarily and have them come pick you up? Come get you. Yeah. I mean, come and get me. <laughs> and then you get to see whether or not DeSantis is going to cooperate in Florida with them like bringing you in, you know, martial laws declared way more news, way more news coverage when they have to go and arrest you and bring you in. Yeah. I kind of think that's what I would do if I was Trump. He's not going to do that though. You don't think? No, I don't think his lawyers will convince him that he needs to go in peacefully and, and strike it and patriotically. Yeah. And strike yeah. it. Strike some kind of deal. <laughs> okay. Here are the latest developments in the indictments. Former president, DJT and 18 others have been indicted by an Atlanta grand jury in a sweeping racketeering case. That's right. They used the RICO statute to get 19 <laughs> people on a criminal conspiracy. Uh, some of his former top aides, Rudy Giuliani is in there. Mark Meadows is in there. Uh, Sidney Powell's and there's all kinds of fine people on both sides of this indictment. 
The 41 count indictment, an unprecedented challenge of presidential misconduct by a local prosecutor, brings charges against some of Mr. Trump's most prominent advisors, uh, including all these people I just named. Trump and the other defendants charged in this indictment refused to accept that Trump lost and they knowingly and willfully joined a conspiracy to unlawfully change the outcome of the election in favor of Trump. Mr. Trump, who was running again for president in the 2024 election and is the early favorite to win the Republican nomination, has now been indicted in four separate criminal investigations, including a federal indictment earlier this month over his attempts to cling to power after losing the 2020 race. So this one is a little bit different because we got state laws here and it's a case that could actually end up sticking. Uh, We'll play some videos and stuff from some people later on, but I wanted to go through some of the indictment first off. I wanted to bring up, and I just tweeted this out, or x it or whatever you call it these days, Elon, come on. Um, I just posted this. Uh, I, Regardless of the legality of these indictments and what Trump did, the timing is very specific here. They've had this information. I mean, the stuff they list in this indictment ended in like January or February of 2021. Why now are all of these prosecutors bringing forward these indictments with the grand juries at this, at this current moment in time. They wanted to make sure they had their case tight. Oh, a very solid case. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the upcoming presidential election. Not I'm that. sure. Mm-mm. Yeah. They just wanted to make sure that they, they crossed all their I's and dotted all their T's. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. They wanted to be as Quit fair, asking wild fair as possible. Completely coincidental timing. The issue here is it, you know, when you take apart, when you you take away all of the specifics of all of these cases, it does seem to me, sarcasm aside, that they have all lined up to do these indictments right before the election, right before the primary election, right, right in the heat of the Republican primary, in what I believe is an attempt at election interference. <laughs> Which is strange, isn't it? Uh, it's really weird. Yeah. It's ironic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they couldn't have helped the timing, I'm sure. No. They just got this brand new evidence, you know, mm-hmm. just recently. Well, they just got the grand jury together, mm-hmm. you know. It's people's schedule. Did you hear this together. was 97 pages? Mm-hmm. I read yeah. 70 of them this morning. So I don't know how, because I, it took a grand jury a couple of years to do that. I know. I read enough. I posted some of them. They might end up adding my name to the list, <laughs> considering some of the stuff that's on here. Some of it is... Uh, ridiculous uh let's see let's go through some of the stuff we got racketeering activity and overt acts and furtherance of the conspiracy that's right they're using rico here and a lot of this depends on in my opinion in my specific legal opinion whether or not they believed that the election was stolen they believed the things that they were saying they actually thought that these things happened and that they were going to be able to prove those things, or if they knew that they were just lying and making things up the whole time. Because many of these things have to do with them trying to prove that. In fact, many of the things have to do with them talking about some of their allegations of voter fraud. Asking questions. (laughs) Asking questions, tweeting about the specific instances. You remember around the election time, we saw all these videos of boxes being moved around. I don't care what video it is. If you put it in like slow motion and repeat it over and over again, something fishy is going on Mm -hmm. in that video. Okay. And I saw some of them going around last night showing out, 
tell me that there was nothing going on. It was a van pulling up and people were getting stuff out of it. I don't know what it was. Could have been sound equipment for all I know. I don't know what yeah. it was. Okay. It could have been. But it had like 10,000 retweets. Could have been votes. Yeah. Could have been toilet paper. I'm not sure what it was. Could have been a jewelry thief. No clue. You know? It's just a van with people getting stuff out of it. How do people retweet stuff like that? Like, oh, yeah. There's the proof right There's there. You don't even know what's in the van. Put that in the indictment <laughs> on the other way around. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is... We don't have to read through all of these things, but I thought there were some interesting discussed. Uh, Trump discussed a draft speech with unindicted co-conspirator individual number one, whose identity is known to the grand jury that falsely declared victory and falsely claimed voter fraud. So falsely declaring victory and claiming voter fraud. Uh, this one, he discussed a speech. He talked to someone yeah, that he didn't even get a draft speech. Yeah. He probably gave the speech. I don't know. Um, Rudy Giuliani. Now get this this is where it gets really serious. Left an 83 second long voicemail message for another co-conspirator concerning fraud in the election. This telephone call was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. Mm. Now, I know that we've had other indictments, but none of them quite as serious as leaving a voicemail and talking about how there was fraud in the election. I didn't realize we were getting this serious or being concerned yeah. that there would be fraud. I don't even think he's going to get bail <laughs> in this one. This is some tough stuff right here. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Trump. And I love that they have all these unindicted co-conspirators. Like these are the one, these are the whistleblowers. <laughs> of course, they're not indicted because they handed over well, these, these criminal voice messages <laughs> and other things that took place. I mean, yeah. undrafted speeches. Would never have access to that if it wasn't for these brave whistleblowers. Uh, let's see. Trump uh, appeared at a press conference at the RNC headquarters. Uh, let's see. Or this is Sidney Powell appeared at a press conference at the RNC headquarters on behalf of Trump and made false statements concerning fraud in the November 3rd, 2020 presidential election. These were overt acts and furtherance of the conspiracy. My So my question is still a lot of this stuff. What if you think... What if you actually believed what you were saying and that what if they saw the same videos that were going around on Twitter at that time about people shuffling boxes around and everyone bought into it and they truly thought that there was, I know that that's crazy to think that anything fishy would happen Mm -hmm. around it. I mean, come on, the water main broke where they were counting votes. You, you hate to see it. You hate it. The timing was rough, okay? Bad luck on their part. But there's no reason to think something fishy was going on. Yeah, water mains break all the time. Yeah, of course <laughs> they do. Just look around the country right now. There's got to be dozens of water mains broken at the moment. Uh, let's see. They've got generally them just calling people and talking to them about the conspiracy. All this stuff listed out. You got Giuliani in here, Mark Meadows listed in here. Mark Meadows sent a text message to Representative Scott Perry and said, can you send me the number for the speaker and the leader of the PA legislature? POTUS wants to chat with them. (laughs) This was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. And so you've got to, for any of this to make sense, a text message where you ask for someone to send you the phone number of another person. So you can chat with them. That's a conspiracy. You know, you got to put that down. That's an overt act, (laughs) by the way. In furtherance 
Okay. Um, let's see what else we got here. So this is a joke is what you're saying. On the, on about the third on uh, on or about the third day of December 2020. They didn't even tell me for sure what day it was that this happened, but they know for sure what happened. Uh, committed felony offense. This is Giuliani committed the felony offense, false statements and writings in violation of this Georgia statute uh, by knowingly, willfully and un- unlawfully making at least one of the false statements. Is this multiple choice? <laughs> which one did he make? Are we supposed to guess which one of them it was? He made at least one of them. Uh, statements and representatives representations to members of the Georgia Senate. So he said at least one of these things, but we're not sure which one or on about what day it was. The live group is guessing C. Okay. But there's only A or B, folks. So. He said that at least 96,000 mail-in ballots were counted in the presidential election, despite there being no record of those ballots having been returned to a county elections office. And he said that Dominion or and or he said that Dominion voting systems equipment used in the election in Antrim County, Michigan, mistakenly recorded 6000 votes for Biden when the votes were actually cast for Donald Trump. Um, I think it's C. All of the above probably oh. is what mm. he said. I'm, I'm not sure. That's an act of racketeering. <laughs> if I ever I mean, if you ever saw one. That's what's going on. I was looking for the definition of racketeering. Mm-hmm. This is it. Yeah. Um, on or about the 10th day of December, Giuliani committed the felony offense, uh, false statements and writings by saying at least one of the following statements, saying that it's cr- it's quite clear from the State Farm Arena video that Fulton County election workers were stealing votes and that Georgia officials were covering up a crime in plain sight. What if it was quite clear to him? You can't make allegations. Mm-mm. I don't. I don't know. Uh, State Farm Arena on election day. Democratic officials got rid of all the reporters, all the observers, anyone that couldn't be trusted. Used the excuse of a water main break, cleared out the voting area, and then went about their dirty, crooked business. Well, of course, they were dirty. They couldn't wash their hands. The water main was broken. <laughs> exactly. Jeez. Yeah. That between 12,000 and 24,000 ballots were illegally counted by Fulton County election workers at State Farm Arena. And here's the thing. Here's one question I have. If you did nothing wrong, <laughs> why are you going to this, this grade of length Yeah, to indict a president over the fact that basically you're trying to prove that all the statements they made were false because mm-hmm. none of this happened. Like, it's almost like Georgia is on such the defensive. Well, I think I said this after the last indictment, but the the problem I see here, because here's the deal. The election went through. Biden is the president. We had a transfer of power that was mostly peaceful. Okay. Like, everything worked. The system worked just fine, apparently, especially like if you're a Democrat, the system all worked just fine. Everything's okay. Trump is not the president anymore. And so why are you doing this? The The bad part about this is that this could deter anyone from challenging future election results because if you turn out to be potentially wrong or you can't prove it then you might get a rico thrown at you you know and so you might as well just take the uh election committee's word for it or the Without state's word for any it questions. don't ask any questions don't send any text no messages lies. don't leave any voicemails every single voicemail that you leave could be listed out in the rico mm-hmm. yeah. eventually so that one that that would be why 
in my opinion, other than them just really caring about democracy and the rule of law and prosecuting every law to its fullest extent, no matter who the perpetrator is, which mm-hmm. I'm sure they always do. Uh, that could be it, too. Uh, more of the same here. This is from Giuliani again, uh, talking about election workers fraudulently counting ballots, uh, 2,500 felons voting illegally, 10,000 dead people voting in Georgia. Couldn't he just be wrong about those things? What I want to know, that I'm, and I'm serious about this, do we have proof that they knew that they that they were making this up, that they knew that it wasn't real and that they were just saying things? What if the truth was that it was only 10,314 <clears throat> dead people? <laughs> it could be. George is like, yeah. turns out it was only 10,314, so you're that's, lying. That's wrong. Last. <laughs> Uh, let's get into some of the same stuff here. Making statements. So what you're saying is we're going to get arrested in Georgia. We can't go to Georgia now. I'd, I'd be scared. Because we asked questions on this show that was recorded. I'm scared. Like a voice message. Mm-hmm. I've probably sent you text messages before that had to do with elections. Mm. You know? Not to me. <sighs> and if I got them, I didn't respond to that. Okay, but here's one problem. I wouldn't engage in illegal conversation no, you would never with do that. you. You would report it to the authorities immediately, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised they haven't gotten you yet. Um, let's see. Trump and John Eastman committed the the same filing false documents thing uh, that we uh, have been talking about. And this has to do with several of the allegations, the 2,500 felons. We got 10,000 dead people, 2,400 people voting illegally, all that. But there is a difference here at the bottom. Okay, and this is the kind of thing I'm looking for. Earlier the same day, Before they filed this, uh, John Eastman sent an email to the attorneys associated with the Trump campaign admitting his knowledge that at least some of the allegations in the verified complaint were not accurate. And so that this was about the only instance I found in the indictment of them saying someone had said earlier that day that it was not accurate. And then this person later put their name on a document alleging these things that they had earlier said that were not accurate. And that was like not the only one I found of this being the case. Okay. And I went through 70 pages of it. He said right? some, <clears throat> some, some of these them. allegations. Yeah. It was 314. Like you were saying, mm-hmm. you know, he found out that the, that the number was off by a couple of people. When we come back, we are going to talk more about this Trump indictment in Georgia. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Unfortunately, due to government meddling, the company that partnered with Dash to offer Dash Direct is leaving the crypto business. However, they weren't the only provider of discounted gift cards for Dash. BitRefill.com has been accepting Dash for years and has a ton of big-name retailers and brands, including grocers, gas stations, phone refills, Amazon, and even prepaid MasterCards. You could actually live off your Dash using bitrefill.com. Plus, many of their gift cards come with a discount. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. All right, 
Welcome back. This is Liberty at Night with Nate and Chuck on the Free Talk Live Network. We are currently running through this Trump indictment in Georgia. And of course, always remember that we have a daily podcast called Good Morning Liberty that you can go find on your favorite podcast app or BernieLies.com. We've been running through this indictment. I did read 70 pages of it. So let's keep talking about it. Now we get into some tweets and stuff, which is really fun. Uh, the fifth day of December, on or about the fifth day of December, we're not sure. It's just a three-year legal case. Placed a telephone call to Georgia Governor Brian Kemp and solicited, requested, and importuned Kemp to call a special session of the Georgia General Assembly. This was an overt act of, in furtherance of the conspiracy. Hmm. You're not allowed to call governors? I, I don't know. And ask them to call a special... Like, he didn't call a special session. No. He didn't. He was asking the governor to do it. Can't do that. When you are participating in a criminal conspiracy, mm. you see. That's when you really can't do it. Uh, on the sixth day, around that time, even though we have a screenshot of it, we would know exactly what day it is, but I guess it's legal speak. We'll have to accept that. Uh, Trump caused to be tweeted from the Twitter account. What's Twitter? Does this even hold up? What's Twitter? I don't know what that is. Uh, Here's the tweet. Gee, what a surprise. Has anyone informed the so-called says he has no power to do anything? Governor Brian Kemp and his puppet lieutenant governor that they could easily solve this mess and win signature verification and call a special session. So easy. This was an overt act of fur- in furtherance of the conspiracy. <sighs> all he, s- this all seems like a joke. I'm going right. to write this in my diary. <laughs> that the George, that the Georgia attorney made a very funny joke yesterday. Yeah. It's there's more. <laughs> Rudy Giuliani retweeted. Okay, Georgia Patriot call to action. Today is the day we need you to call your state, Senate, and House reps and ask them to sign the petition for a special session. We must have free and fair elections in Georgia, and this is our only path to ensuring every legal vote is counted. (laughs) This was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. When you call on people to Look, sign, I'm not a the biggest petition. fan of Giuliani. Obviously, <laughs> we spent 20 minutes in the live group talking about a couple documentaries, Painkiller and and Dope Sick, and uh, Giuliani's role in getting people um, a deal. Mm-hmm. I'm not the biggest fan of this guy. Obviously, using power to his advantage, um, but retweeting something yeah. like that asking people to sign a asking petition. people to sign a petition for your legal right to go to your state representatives and say hey we want a special session it could be for anything yeah anything like i don't like the potholes that are in the road call mm-hmm. a special session please and make sure that we have smooth roads it'd be like taxation is theft call a special assembly and they're like taxation isn't theft we've got a constitutional amendment about this you must be lying to people. This is a criminal conspiracy. Right. It's ridiculous. Uh, Donald Trump tweeted. <laughs> now, here's a, yeah, this is a bad one here. Donald Trump tweeted. Georgia hearings now on OANN. 
amazing. So he tweeted that he was watching TV and that there were Georgia hearings now on TV. This was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. (laughs) He also tweeted, though, hold on. Wow, blockbuster testimony taking place right now in Georgia. Ballot stuffing by Dems when Republicans were forced to leave the large counting room. Plenty more coming, but this alone leads to an easy win of the state. This was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. It would have been funny if he would have accidentally tweeted, this was an overt act in furtherance (laughs) of the conspiracy (laughs) in his tweet. But no, he didn't do that. Um, He also tweeted, people in Georgia got caught cold bringing in massive numbers of ballots and putting them in voting machines and quotation marks. Great job, Brian Kemp. Okay. He did a lot on this third day of December. It's a busy day. He was at home watching TV. <laughs> all the hearings. Uh, Charlie, and live, you just, you and live tweeting like he's watching a basketball yeah. game or something. You do some illegal tweets too, Charlie. Like, oh, <laughs> LeBron James just dunked. On Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan retired a long time ago. <laughs> I don't watch enough basketball. It's a charity game. Yeah, exactly. All right. Act number 75. They committed so many. There's a lot of them. Avert. It was like 160 overt acts of overt criminal acts, conspiracy. Okay. So on or about the 14th day of December, um, his true love said to him, <laughs> uh, Donald Trump tweeted, what a fool Governor Brian. He just praised him on the third day of December. I know. Well, a lot of time's gone by now. 11 days have gone 11 by. 11 days. What a fool Governor Brian Kemp of Georgia is. Could have been so easy, but now we have to do it the hard way. Demand this clown call a special session and open up signature verification now. Otherwise, could be a bad day for two great senators on January 5th. This was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. I think he just threatened to make sure that the Democrat senators won in Georgia, which is uh, what happened. Mm. But um, anyway, what else we got? The fifth day of January 2021, day before. Leading up. The yeah. worst day in American history. Mm. Uh, Donald Trump tweeted, the vice president has the power to reject fraudulently chosen electors. This was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. Hmm. Um, on the 30th day of December, going back to 2020 now. Yeah, I got a little jumbled up there. Trump tweeted, we now have far more vo- votes than needed to flip Georgia in the presidential race. Massive voter fraud took place. Thank you to the Georgia legislature for today's revealing meeting. That was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. <laughs> on the third day of January, he tweeted, I spoke to Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger yesterday about Fulton County and former and voter fraud in Georgia. He was unwilling or unable to answer questions such as the ballots under the table scam, ballot destruction, out of state voters, dead voters, and more. He has no clue. So (laughs) Trump had a call with this guy, was asking him questions Mm -hmm. like, hey, were there any ballots under the table? Yeah. I made some deals like that. Like before. I saw some videos on Twitter mm-hmm. where people were moving stuff around. What can I mean, you say about this? Ballot destruction. Uh, he, uh, he wasn't able, he wasn't able to answer those questions. Mm. And the fact that Donald Trump had questions. Actually, it was the fact that he tweeted about it in this instance. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Not just that he had questions mm-hmm. on the 30th day of December. Trump tweeted. Hearings from Atlanta on the Georgia election overturn now being broadcast. Check it out. 
tweeting the news organizations. Are they part of the criminal conspiracy? They might be. Brian Kemp should resign from office. He's an obstructionist who refuses to admit that we won Georgia big. Also won the other swing states. (laughs) Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? I said I need to. Needed to. (laughs) My predecessor. Oh, God, I miss him. Don't you miss him? Yeah. This This is gladiator stuff. Are you not entertained? All right. What else we got? More stuff about the uh, hearings being broadcast. Just if you tweet about something (laughs) that's on TV, that could be an act in furtherance of a conspiracy. Okay. It's dangerous. I did everything right and they indicted me. All right. And then there are some, uh, then there are some really questionable things. Uh, I didn't know that they had essentially kind of illegally gotten into Dominion Voting Systems data uh, to get some voter information. Now, from what I can tell from this indictment, they got some information, and apparently it wasn't information that helped their case any because they still never proved that anything happened. Uh, but they, we've got uh, Sidney Powell and some other people here. The felony offense of computer trespass Uh, by using a computer with knowledge that such use was without authority and with the intention of removing voter data from Dominion voting systems. Uh, We've got more. Now, that actually seems like it could be a crime. Yeah, now we're getting into things that are a problem, for sure. Computer invasion of privacy uh, by using a computer with the intention of examining personal voter data with knowledge that such examination was without authority. And let's see, we've got... Same thing. Unlawfully access certain data copied from Dominion Voting Systems equipment at the Coffee County Board of Elections uh, by downloading said data from a server maintained by Sullivan Strickler LLC. Uh, this was an act of racketeering. We got more stuff here. Assessed, uh, accessed certain data copied from Dominion. Let's see. I think we already talked about that part. Yeah, so the Dominion Voting Systems thing, getting that, uh, that's... That's going to be a problem, I think. Yeah, more access, more but none access, of them have reading to do all with stuff. Donald Trump. Yeah, these, these uh, he's not listed in these. This is all Sidney Powell, mainly. So I don't know if this is... But this is all part of the RICO uh, case, and, I, and all of them are involved in this. And so if this is all part of the same criminal conspiracy, and they can get someone on one of them, they might... I don't know how this works. I've got very low legal. No, I didn't get this far into the law books, but I think they can get everyone with it. Well, you would have to prove that like Donald Trump directed these people to commit yeah. crimes. Matt saying that people let them in weeks after the election. I did hear that as well, uh, but I heard that it was uh, friendlies in the coffee County board of elections that let them in, but they all uh, allegedly what I heard is that they knew that they couldn't do it and the other people knew that they couldn't do it, uh, but they had some friendlies uh, helping them out. So we'll see. I'm, I'm not all brushed up on that. I think this was the last one that I put in here. Act number 157. Uh, Trump committed the felony offense, false statements and writings uh, by knowingly, willfully and unlawfully making the following false statement and representation to Georgia secretary Brad Raffersberger, quote, as stated to you previously, 
the number of false and or regular votes is far greater than needed to change the Georgia election result. That's uh, it's a bad one. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's what they're going to get him on that one right there. That's the bad one. As you can tell. Okay. Trump has some stuff to say about this, Charles. I imagine that mm-hmm. this is coming from truth social truth, not tweet, not Twitter, tweeter. Not Twitter, Twitter, or X. Mm -mm. This is from Truth Social. At Real Donald Trump says, The only election interference that took place in Fulton County, Georgia, was done by those that rigged and stole... They're going to include this one. I know. They're going to have to redo... They're They're going to have another indictment come down. They're going to have another grand jury for Mm -hmm. the Truth Social aspects of this. This is act number 167, Truth Social post. It was done by those that rigged and stole the election, not by me, who simply complained that the election was rigged and stolen. We have massive and conclusive proof if the grand jury would like to see it. Unfortunately, the publicity-seeking DA isn't interested in justice or this evidence. Also, as in Manhattan, the corrupt DOJ is pushing hard trying to keep Biden in office. The whole system is dishonest and broken. I take major issue with one of the lines in this tweet or truth. All the post capital letters. <laughs> Not just that. We have massive and conclusive proof. Where's the proof? How many cases did they have? How many court cases did they have? Why couldn't they publish it? You don't think a journalist wouldn't want to write that in a paper somewhere? And you know what? Good. Cause they're going to be going to court over this. And I, Expect them to pull out their massive and conclusive (laughs) proof during this case. Okay. The MCP. Maybe not the cases previous. I don't know how many there were or how far they made it into the process. Magoo, you could be right on that, but they're going to court. I want to see. I want to see Trump's massive conclusive proof. Where is it? I would like to see it. Mm. I'm not saying nothing happened. It's entirely possible that stuff happened, but I'm, I not, see gonna, I'm not going to ask any questions about it. Uh, he also talked about the witch hunt continuing. 19 people indicated in, in indicted. Indica- <laughs> he did say indicated indicted. He did tonight, including the former greatest president of the United States. <laughs> me. He didn't say greatest by an out of control and very corrupt DA who campaigned and raised money on. I will get Trump. And what about those indictment documents put out today long before the grand jury even voted? That was one weird thing was that the indictment before the grand jury got together and voted, the indictment was put on Fulton County. I think it was Fulton County, whatever county it is, their their website accidentally. It was like pre-released that the indictment was through before the grand jury had even voted hmm. on the indictment. I'm just going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say they were just having it ready to go for as soon as the grand jury voted because they know that the grand jury will indict a ham sandwich. And so that's, <laughs> they were just getting prepped up for that. I like ham sandwiches. I do too. I don't think they should be indicted. I don't, I don't either. I think they're just fine. Okay. It's a conspiracy against ham sandwiches. I think the timing thing is the worst part of this. Uh, this could have been done years ago. Uh, Trump even says that he says, why didn't they indict two and a half years ago, because they wanted to do it right in the middle of my political campaign. I think that part is true. I think that all of these people have waited for while the campaign was going on. All of Trump's money is going to be spent on all of the Republican donor bases money 
is going to lawyers this year. Mm. It's not even going to TV ads and stuff like that. It's going to the legal establishment. That's who's pushing this thing. It's the legal union. And it's the lawyers that <laughs> it's the lawyers that bill three thousand an hour. Yeah, for their work. That's who we got right now. All right, we're going to play three minutes of this video from Alan Dershowitz because I thought that it was valuable. Is three minutes enough time for me to go pee? Because I've valuable. It's it's valuable. Yeah, uh, it's enough time. Okay, let's play this. It's a six minute video. We're going to play half of it. Well, first of all, nobody should take it all seriously. The fact that there was a grand jury indictment, it means nothing. It's the prosecutor who indicted. The best evidence of that is that it was on his website before the grand jury even voted. Now, the whole strategy of all these four cases is to get a conviction before the election, even if they're going to lose on appeal. I used to teach my students, many of them future prosecutors, if you bring a RICO case, that increases your chances of winning a trial and losing on appeal. The same thing is true with conspiracy and other cases involving mental states. And so all four of these cases are designed to get quick, quick convictions in jurisdictions that are heavily loaded against Donald Trump. And these prosecutors don't care as much as prosecutors generally do about having the convictions reversed on appeal because that will happen after the election, which only goes to prove what I've been arguing now for for months. If you're going after the man who's running against your incumbent president, you would darn well better have the strongest case possible. And these are among the four, at least three of them, three weakest cases I've ever seen against any candidate. We don't know about the fourth, but it seems like it's very much like the D.C. case. And if you're going after the man running for president against your person, you have to have the strongest case. Otherwise, it becomes a banana republic. Anybody can prosecute anybody. And we're opening the door to prosecution of Democrats by Republicans, Republicans by Democrats. Is what Alexander Hamilton wrote in The Federalist is the most dangerous threat to democracy. And we're seeing it unfold in front of our eyes very, very tragically. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Trump supporter, but I care deeply about the Constitution. I care deeply about preserving the rule of law. And we're seeing it being frittered away for partisan political purposes. Mm. What do you think? I, what he said. Yeah. I, I thought the part about the fact that it's likely to be overturned on an appeal was interesting, too. And that was a clip where he said that, right? Yeah, he, I, even, I said, he even said, like, you know, I teach my law students. Yeah. You know, if you're going to go, if you're going to try to get a quick conviction, go after racketeering. And, um, you know, they don't care that it's going to be overturned on appeal. It's it's just all about it happening before the election. It's all that's, about That's what it seems like to me. Yeah. And they know the timing of these things. <sighs> Is this really what we've come to? Looks like it. I guess so. And now, I wonder how Alexander Hamilton knew this back in the 1700s. How did those guys nail hmm. so much stuff? Yet they were so wrong about slavery. Um, here's a great clip from last night. Who was on Rachel Maddow she last night? She still has night? a show? Rachel Maddow does? She came back for this, I guess. I don't know if, she's, if she came back or what, but Hillary Clinton mm. was on TV last night as we were getting the news about this newest indictment. And boy, was she somber about the state of democracy. But here's the important part about this. I want you to imagine what kind of a person it takes to sit with a straight face, both of them, 
to sit here with a straight face and say the things that you are about to hear them say. Okay. Imagine being that person. That um, the system of democracy at its heart is the idea that the people get to decide how we are governed. And if we if we no longer believe that our will is effectuated through the system, if bad actors tell us falsely that every election is stolen and that the only way an election is uh, trustworthy is if they come out on top of it, um, then something it's, it, it's, it tells you something not just about that person or that moment. It maybe wounds us as a democracy and in a way that is hard to repair. Mm-hmm. What do you think about how we get better um, after the wounds that have been inflicted on us through this process? Well, I think, you know, the truth matters. Um, I think having these cases be brought and be brought in such professional manners. We'll see how they unfold. Obviously, uh, the trials, um, if there are trials, are going to be critically important. But the article you mentioned that I published about the weaponization of loneliness really does, in my view, point to the larger cultural concerns because the lack of trust, the divisiveness, the undermining of faith in ourselves, in each other, uh, respect for our institutions, uh, the rule of law, All of that has been deliberately inculcated within our body politic. Not by her. You know, there were trends before. I mean, we have seen how people have become more isolated, less community oriented, less civically minded. Then we see how social media and technology has certainly accelerated a lot of those trends. But the deliberate effort to divide Americans. There you have it. Charlie, your thoughts from the horse's mouth, the <laughs> truth and nothing but the truth. So help her God. I was going to go look for stuff like this, but thankfully it was posted right Russia. below. So I, I think I it's that. also critical to understand that as I've been telling candidates who have come to see me, you can run the best campaign. You can even become the nominee. And you can have the election stolen from you. <laughs> Russia, Vladimir Putin, Russia, 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 Russia hates Russia, 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 Putin, Russia's Russia, 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 Russian, 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 Russia, Russia, Moscow, Moscow, Russia, Russian, pro-Russian, Russian, 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 the Russians, Russian, 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 Russians, Russians, Russian, 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 Russia, Russian, 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 Moscow, Russian, Russian, Russia, Putin, Russian, 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 Russian against us. We anyway. Someone just posted in a live group that Hillary Clinton says Biden should not concede the election. What was this in 2020? In case he, uh, in case Biden lost, he shouldn't concede. Um, I don't, I don't know. remember that. But yeah, just the the audacity <coughs> of these people to get up there on TV and talk about claims of stolen elections and distrust in our institutions, the rule of law, and dividing Americans and all that. I just, I don't, I don't understand. And it's not just I, them. I get it. Yeah. It's Narcissism. Not, it's not just them. It's, it's the, who watches this? Everyone knows all the stuff. But most people don't because most people are siloed now. Yeah. So it's like that all they know is that Hillary Clinton good, orange man bad. Yeah. So whatever Hillary Clinton says, like, oh, God, look at her. 
just knocking down glass ceiling after glass ceiling <laughs> with her truth. You know, I feel she did have she had the election stolen from her, but Donald Trump did not. Yep. She has she has every right to question it because she's right. That's true. That's I the difference. Think, I didn't think about that. Yeah, she's when you're right. right, you can question whatever you want. True. Hey. Yeah. All right, coming up, we're going to talk about some Bidenomics and how our pocketbooks are getting better. The Free State Project has reached its goal of 20,000 liberty lovers who've pledged to move to New Hampshire and get active to achieve liberty in our lifetime. Perhaps you're trying to figure out what part of New Hampshire should be your destination. If so, consider Keene. You'll find more than 150 reasons to move to Keene at move.freekeene.com. Keene is famous for its historic, publicity-generating activism, as well as being the liberty media capital of the world. It's home to freekeene.com, New Hampshire's destination for liberty activism, news, and opinion. For years, we've been compiling over 150 reasons to move to Keene at move.freekeene.com, where you'll learn about some of what's happening here and what makes Keene a great place to live. If you love liberty, you'll probably enjoy anywhere you end up in the Shire. But do your due diligence first. Please visit move.freekeen.com for the full list of over 150 reasons to move to Keene. That's move.freekeen.com. Free Talk Live. Well, what is up, all of our liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Liberty at Night with Nate and Charlie on the Free Talk Live network. And this hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases, but Dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction and has implemented really cool features to ensure it's undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible and its network is protected from 51% attacks with their chain locks technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Big thanks to Dash Dow for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. My name is Nathaniel Paul Thurston, and across from me is Chuck COVID Thompson. You thought... That Biden had ended it. I did. Well, we're coming into an election year. You got to stir some stuff up again. Next year. So, yeah, here I I am. At the end of the week last week, you might have noticed that Charlie was not here. That is because he did, in fact, have COVID. Charlie got real legit COVID, like 102 point something fever for several days type COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, Hurting, aching, stinging COVID. (laughs) Uh, coughing with your lungs hurt, not knowing if they're going to open once more COVID. Mm, yes. How did that feel? Well, I was on the couch. Mm-hmm. So for the, for about five days, you watch a lot of stuff, watched a lot of things. Okay. Yeah. I watched a lot of things. I slept a lot, which was good. Uh, then my sleep patterns, all kinds of messed up, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, cause I would sleep from like, I don't know, two to six. And then I'd stay up to like one and sleep from like one to nine and then two to six. And it was, it was kind of that pattern for like five days. So 
That sounds pretty good. I got what seemed like COVID. It seemed coincidental because I haven't been sick in a long time and you get COVID and I keep coming to your house to do episodes yeah. because that's where the studio is. And mm-hmm. because I'm your friend, I wanted to check yeah. on you and we don't make out or anything. No, we like girls, but no, no, but, um, we, uh, <laughs> I came over and hung out and then all of a sudden I'm getting sick at the end of last week. And then I spend the weekend being sick. As it turns well. out it was all in your head. It was in my head. Yeah. That's what yeah. it was. Um, I didn't get as bad as you, but we have conducted a scientific study. This is our second one. Should be published. Okay. This is perfect evidence and you don't need any more sample rate than this. No. All right. This is clinical trial. Charlie got a dose of the vaccine back in 21 and you got COVID after that same time I did. Mm -hmm. I got really bad because I am not a shill for big pharma (laughs) and I, I got really sick for and like 10 days, you were like... It was very sick. 10 days, fever, losing your hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People who say long COVID isn't a thing did not have 102 and a half fever for, for 10 days. Yeah. I'll tell you that, because you, you fry your brain. It's probably not just COVID. I think it's any time you allow your brain to simmer yep. for eight or nine days. It's probably not good for your brain. Uh, but anyway, this time, you got super sick, and... And I was around you and I got sick and I was fine as far as feeling like I was going to die goes. So I felt although super sick only lasted like three days instead of year 10. I know two years ago. I know. But we know COVID has weakened over that time. mm. But what we discovered was that my COVID induced immunity held off. Is this what people call natural immunity? We don't call it that. It's it's post-COVID immunity post-infection immunity infection it's been a while we got to brush up on our (laughs) covid terms it's been a while forgot so i handled it way better this time this time you had no antibodies in your body your body did not know how to fight off cold symptoms especially Mm -hmm. covid uh like mine did and so my superior my superior human being scientific post-infection immunity was much better than yours (laughs) which had never been asked to try and fight off an infection on its own. Costco said they, they took their COVID decorations down. <laughs> yeah. Put them in the attic. We don't remember. I don't remember all hey, the stuff we used to say. Get them out. Mm-hmm. Because it's coming. It's time. I'm People are you. calling for mask mandates and all kinds of stuff this these is, days. It's, it's going to happen again. How do we know this? Well, you just look at history. It's not going to be like it was last time, at least not anytime soon, because Biden will not want to do that going into a presidential election cycle. Uh, because as he learned in 2020, it's really bad for your reelection chances if you are dealing with a worldwide pandemic and shutting down people's way of earning money and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Because it worked for him last time when they were able to shut down Trump. You know, he doesn't want to do it for him this time. So anyway, it's Monday. Stuff's been happening over the weekend. COVID's back. We wanted to brush over a few things. And um, uh, do you want me to stream? Some I gotta of this? say it's strange. So I just want to uh, really quick before we get okay. into Maui. And we've talked about this a little bit before on the show, but it's strange how COVID disappeared kind of overnight. All the mask mandates and social distancing and businesses being shut down and all of that. Now I've seen in the news and also I know several people who have gotten COVID recently. So it's, it really is surging. And what's interesting is we're not seeing that same response. Now, I'm glad that we're not. I'm glad that I know that some people are calling for it, but the Biden administration is not 
uh, shutting down air travel. They're not making you wear masks on airplanes. We're treating it like we should have treated it back in 2020 and 2021 and early part of 2022. We're treating it like the people who are in power are who they already want to be in power. And so they don't need to do any worldwide sweeping changes at the moment. Which sounds like a conspiracy. I get it. But it is strange how this has played out. Mm. Like, it makes you want to question that. You shouldn't course, question things. Of course. <laughs> anyway, there's a volcano on fire or was on fire. <laughs> Just, I don't know if a volcano has anything to do with it, but um, the, Hawaii. Well, Hawaii yeah. is on fire. Hawaii is a volcano. Maui. Actually, you're right about that. Yeah. Maui's on fire. You've been to Maui before. I have been to Maui. Was it on fire at the time? No. Okay. No, actually, it is uh, It is sad. Um, their Lahaina is gone, basically. And uh, they had a whirlwind of giant fires where at least 89 people are confirmed dead now. 93 is oh, the, sorry, is 93. as of today. I'm seeing reports from locals there that it's in the hundreds, if not thousands. It's going to be a so, lot more than the current number we have because a lot of people, sadly, were essentially cremated and yeah. they have cadaver dogs going through. They're going to end up having to look at uh, people who are missing and that they never recover. <coughs> and so it's going to take a while to get the full number mm. of people. And that's that's really sad. It's terrible. Have you seen like videos and stuff from the thing? Yeah, people like bad. trying to drive out of there and stuff. Scariest environment imaginable. Jumping in the ocean to get away yeah. from the fire. Kind of looks like kind of looked like hell it looked really bad yeah and you know how we could have solved this charlie by solving climate change if we just would have given the u.s government more of our money then this particular fire would not have happened more we can go back further than that if we just would have listened to al gore then this fire would not have happened and i try to imagine actually believing that that's a thing because as you scroll across x dot com you see we it's time to declare climate emergency this is what happens when people put profits over people you got to blame the oil companies and if we just would have enacted this regulation or taxed this person then we wouldn't have had these fires i guess that's what we're going to do every time something bad happens but i really don't think that it is the case and in fact a lot of scientists don't think it's the case either but this article says maui's fire became deadly fast Climate change, flash drought, invasive grass, and more fueled it. Mm. And so it, this is from AP News. And, of course, they detail how bad the fire was. And then they talk about flash droughts, which, of course, we're just getting because of climate change. Or we're getting more of them uh, because of climate change. And, look, if you've, ever, if you've ever been to Maui, one of the things that they one of the first things they tell you about, especially if you do an island tour, which I recommend. I recommend, well, not now, but when, when Hawaii, come, when Maui comes back, I recommend going. And if you do take a Jeep tour, drive all the way around the island. It doesn't take that long. It's not very big. It's really cool because just Maui has like 28 different climates. Maybe it's 31. I don't remember. It's been a while since I've been there, but it's, I think it's at least 20 something. I think it's 28 different climates that they tell you about on this tour. And you go from, from desert to prairie to mountain, to beach, to jungle, yeah, all rainforest. On, all depends on what regulations they enacted on the it's different a, parts of the island. Right. Yeah. As you drive around, it's like you, all different places of America exist in this one tiny little ecosystem. 
It's really cool. So I don't think we have to go through this whole article. It's important to note that it's from AP News because we'll discuss that later. They do discuss flash droughts and how fast it became dry on Maui. They talk about stronger hurricanes, which there was a hurricane going on off the coast, not hitting Hawaii directly, but the winds were much higher. There's no indication. I thought they call those typhoons in the Pacific. I don't know what they call it. I think... I think we still call it hurricane here. I'm not sure. Hmm, thought it was a typhoon. There's no indication that this was some kind of a special hurricane that was much stronger than other hurricanes. That they we don't, don't even know the hurricanes they don't normally have. Yeah, I can't even tell you much about this hurricane. But they are going to blame stronger hurricanes in this article as well. And of course, they have two scientists that say that this uh, was likely due to climate change. This flash drought. And the stronger hurricanes. I mean, if I was a scientist, that's the fir- one of the first things I would say. Now, beyond Lomberg, Lomborg, who has a great book called False Alarm, uh, which we've recommended to people a lot. I also recommend following him on X at Bjorn Lomborg. He says this has to stop. AP makes up a story to blame Hawaii fires on climate. And then he brings in this peer-reviewed journal <clears throat> from last year finding no climate signal in Hawaii's drought because they also had a drought last year and uh, saying that they could not link it to climate change uh, at all. And then he brings up this other unrelated news, which is AP getting $8 million to push a, to push climate alarmism. So what's really interesting is at the bottom of this piece that we were referencing uh, to talk about all this stuff at the bottom, it says, Associated Press climate and environmental coverage receives support from several private foundations. See more about AP's climate initiative here. Claire Rush, who wrote this, is a core member for the AP Report for America State House News Initiative. Report for America is a nonprofit national service program that places journalists in local newsrooms to report on undercovered issues. And one of the undercovered issues is climate change. That's something that hardly anyone talks about. There's only a few journalists. Really doing the work out there. And so AP got a bunch of money in this grant to hire a bunch of journalists whose job it is, is to write about climate change. And uh, in this article from AP where they highlighted it, this is in last year, it's from 2022 in AP. The AP said Tuesday that it's assigning more than two dozen journalists across the world to cover climate issues. And the news organization's largest single expansion paid for through philanthropic grants. And so uh, the AP's new team with journalists based in Africa, Brazil, India, and the U.S. will focus on climate change's impact on agriculture, migration, urban planning, the economy, culture, and other areas. And so anyway, they were given this grant uh, from the Rockefeller Foundation, the Walton Family Foundation, Howard Hughes Medical Institute, Flora Hewlett Foundation, uh, William and Flora Hewlett Foundation uh, contributing to this effort for them to have journalists whose specific job it is, is to say that things are because of climate change. All right. Uh, even though you can go to a peer reviewed article and see them saying that uh, the flash droughts have nothing to do with climate change, that this is something that happens, especially during the El Nino patterns that we are going through right now. If you look at the U S no coughing, after COVID, Charlie, you could mm. spread that stuff and uh, our grandmas could die. Mm. U.S. Drought Monitor. If you look at the U.S. Drought Monitor, Hawaii Drought Severity and Coverage Index, you will find this chart going from 2000 all the way to current day that the current drought patterns. Now, they could readjust this. I don't know. But the current drought in Hawaii, 
doesn't look much of anything compared to previous droughts, like say from 2009 to 2014, hmm. uh, or even from 2021 to the beginning of 2023. Uh, right now, it's actually pretty low. But right now, this is because of climate change and the and the severe, the super severe climate change induced drought. Uh, Lomborg also posted out this earlier. Here's a a, a screenshot. The world is burning ever less. Fire is ever more in the news. So as you see this chart, wildfire in reality, burned area per year, percentage of global land uh, from 2000 to 2020. This moves from roughly 3% down to 2.2%. All right. And when you look at frequency per million words, wildfire in the news, it goes from two per million words to 10 per million words. So 5x right there, uh, people talking about wildfires, even though they're actually decreasing in their burned area per year Mm. globally. But, of course, we have more and more every because I read this in the news and the news is just talking about things that are happening. And it's not because they're literally paid to do this. Like they literally have people that were paid uh, by foundations to just talk about climate change. It's not that. It's that we have way more wildfires than we used to, right? Mm. What do you think? Well, I think well, I think it's a couple things. One, obviously the dissemination of information has increased drastically. And so people talking about wildfires obviously is going to go up by default just because we have so many more places to consume information. Um but also yeah, I think it's fear-mongering. I think it's um people are taking things out of context. But you know what? You know what I really think? Um, I think God hates the earth. <laughs> That's what it is. Because I don't know if you heard about this. I'm going to throw a wrench in your presentation. Okay. okay. Did you hear about the Hunga Tonga Hunga Hape volcano that erupted last year in 2022? I, I feel like I would have remembered Hunga, the name. Hunga Tonga Hunga Hape volcano in the South Pacific off no. the coast of Australia and New Zealand. Well, oh, I might have heard that. I might underwater heard eruption. <clears throat> I heard about that. Yeah, the most powerful eruption that we've ever recorded mm-hmm. ever. In fact, it sent water vapor fifty-eight kilometers into the air. That's not good. Yeah, that's like thirty-six miles into the air. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. Something like that. I think it's insane. Mm-hmm. Right. New study finds that this eruption is going to warm the client climate by one point five degrees centigrade. <laughs> And uh, I bet humans probably caused that eruption in the South Pacific. Oh, well, yeah. Well, um, we were probably fracking down there or something like that. I didn't that. hear anything about this mm-hmm. until recently, over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, because this new study came out. And so, just, uh, you know, I just want to throw that. It's probably unrelated. Totally unrelated. But new study indicates that this could have a 1.5 degree warming effect um, on the Earth because of this massive underwater volcano well, that know, literally shot water. 36 miles in the air. You That's know, a long way to shoot water. It is. By I've, the way. Bought, I've bought some of the finer water guns at Walmart, and they don't go nearly that far. Not even with a level. No, not that close. No. I saw Old Faithful, now, and the Old Faithful, uh, I mean, imagine, not even close. Imagine if you were a ship, and you were right over this underwater volcano at mm-hmm. the exact time it erupted. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be so crazy. <laughs> it would, yeah. You know what we should do, though? 
we should give the U.S. government more money. Yeah, that's what we should. That do. way, we don't mm-hmm. have that. They could probably stop that volcano from erupting too. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, have we considered that? Australia. Yeah. Have you considered giving Joe Biden more of your money today, sir? Because that's how we solve this problem. Well, I am now. That's what I want to do now. Is that what you want to do? Yeah. Of well, here's the here's the deal. Now that we're talking about Joe Biden, let me tell you something. Bidenomics is is hard at work right now. Hard at work. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we're faced with a crossroads in life and we don't really know which path to take. Maybe you're thinking about a career change or feeling like your relationship needs a little love. Whatever it is, therapy can help you map out your future and trust yourself to find the way forward. I've done therapy in the past and honestly, it helped me quite a lot. Changed my life, made me who I am today. And our co-host Charlie, he's still using BetterHelp to this day. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash GML today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash G-M-L. It's kind of working against Biden, unfortunately, because Bidenomics is mostly associated with bad things. All right, but they've been trying to co-opt this term that people have been using. This article from Politico talks about how Bidenomics is just not catching on. I've seen several articles uh, from people saying, well, you know, people are just paying attention to the news and they're not. They just don't know how good they have it right now. They just don't understand how good Joe Biden's economy is. Mm. Uh, They're paying attention to all the fear. They don't know what's good for them. No, no, they they don't get it. Uh, Politico says the White House plays it cool as Bidenomics struggles to catch on. Uh, President Joe Biden is risking a lot on Bidenomics, but about two months in, his efforts to sell his sweeping economic agenda don't appear to be working. Poll numbers show persistent voter skepticism about the state of the economy, and Republicans are working aggressively to take back the term, dubbing it as synonymous with tax hikes and inflation. They're not working to take back the term. This was a Republican term to begin with. We were calling it Bidenomics, and we're not Republicans, but people who not fans of Joe Biden have been using Bidenomics to talk about our terrible economy for a while now. Mm. It's Biden that's trying to take over the term and it's not working. The administration has moved aggressively to not just claim ownership of the economy, but to broadcast how good the news around it is from falling inflation, steady steady job growth and diminished talk of a forthcoming recession. They anticipate the good news will ramp up with factory groundbreakings and bridge ribbon cuttings. You know, people, they just love watching those bridge ribbon cuttings. Mm. That's what we haven't had lately. When you go to the grocery store and you can't afford your groceries or you can afford way less groceries, Mm. you're like, you know what we need? You need that memory. Freaking bridge ribbon cutting, man. That's Mm. what we need right now. I need a, a ribbon cut on a bridge. Anyway, uh, Bridge ribbon cuttings in the, at the heart of the Inflation Reduction Act, bipartisan infrastructure law, and the Chips and Science Act. As the economy continues to improve, they believe voters will start crediting them for Bidenomics, most popular items in general economic improvement. Unfortunately, though, when you look at polls, that's not working. A CNN poll released this week similarly found that 51% of Americans believe the economy is in a downturn and getting worse. Nearly two-thirds, or 63% of respondents, disapprove of Biden's handling of the economy. Quote from Angus King said, There's a disconnect between the data and the way that people are feeling. (laughs) And he says, Facts don't care about your feelings, people. 
Yeah. Uh, and then the Penneth who caucuses with Democrats and is up for re-election in the Maine, he appeared alongside the president at a Bidenomics event in his state last week, where no doubt they cut a ribbon on something. King placed blame for the absence of better numbers on the hangover of high inflation last year. Yeah, because they can't afford their groceries, <laughs> King. It takes time for people to sort of absorb the fact that we're in really good shape. Are you in really good shape? Are you feeling the effect of Bidenomics in your life? We're going to keep discussing Bidenomics and this amazing economy when we come back. Liberty at Night on Free Talk Live. Eleutheromania, the insatiable desire for freedom. It's the new three-song heavy metal EP from Captain Kickass. Available now on your favorite music app or get it directly from CaptainKickass.com. up y'all this is liberty at night with nate and charlie on the free talk live network remember charlie and i have a podcast called good morning liberty you can find the BernieLies.com or on your favorite podcast app we go live every single day of the week when we want to they keep thinking that if they say it that eventually people are going to accept it as truth but when you say that inflation is down what they want you to believe and what some people believe is that prices went back down mm, to they where didn't. they used to be. No, and so they're when still they're like, going up. When they're like, oh, they're, it's a hangover from people being upset about inflation last year. No, they're still having to pay for the inflation because everything's more and we're still, we still have inflation right now and it's still higher than the 2% target inflation that we aim for, and which is on top of the 7 to 9% inflation that we had the year before that. Which was on top of more inflation of it going up the year before that, which was on top of going up the year before that before that. Yeah, because there's actually a target of two percent inflation Now we can argue about whether or not that's a good idea. Uh, The more I look into it, I do think that it's a, a, a small amount of inflation is better than the possibility of deflation. Actual deflation is really bad. We'll talk about that more later. Prices coming down is not bad, but not you don't want it to be because, because of deflation. No. You want it to be because of competition. Exactly. So there's a difference. You want it to be about the balance of goods and services. And This and, is getting uh, into the grains, yeah. the grains and but, <laughs> the grains and bolts. That doesn't mean everything is solved, but if I were president, I would take great pride in where the economy is right now now of course because you're president which means you have millions of dollars you have to take and great pride none of it affects that. you whatsoever yeah. okay. meanwhile the number one new song in america that just happened over the weekend is richmond north of richmond yeah uh by oliver anthony i didn't listen to the whole song myself i can't um, stand that style of music you don't, don't like that style oh god a, i didn't make it more than 30 seconds into the song Pretty, pretty soulful. He's got four songs in the top 10. Number one on iTunes, I saw. The dude I saw this weekend, a couple weeks ago, he played at this farmer's marketplace in the middle of nowhere, Virginia, or North Carolina, South Carolina, somewhere around there, up in the Appalachians, you know? Mm-hmm. The mountain man. Good old mm-hmm, Smoky Mountains, man. Look, he had about 20 people, 20 to 50 people that showed up, I think, for that show. I heard, played a show on Sunday, had over 6,000 people there. Quite a lot. Yeah. So, uh... It's uh. This is how most people feel because 
you can try to skew the data all you want. And see, this is the difference. This is a difference between like skewing data and actual data and people's feelings, because I do think that you can feel a certain way and then you look at the data and be like, oh, okay, well, you know, maybe I'm just over-exaggerating. I need to process my feelings and figure out what, what's really happening here. But the problem is people are feeling a certain way because it's actually true when you look at the data. And the, the data they is know, being presented improperly. And the data yeah. is they use it every day by taking money out of their, their pockets and giving it to the grocery stores and everywhere else and realizing that they don't have anything left over once they do that. Yeah. And their baby's still hungry. That's, that's what's actually happening. Um, inflation doesn't really affect the rich people that much, or I would even say upper middle class. Um, you know, you can still get by and do fun things or whatever, but man, the middle class and the poor, it eats them alive. Mm-hmm. And we want to talk about helping the middle class and the poor. And you think Bidenomics? Like, look, look at this. You got a guy who went from no one knew a word yet of anything he had to say to now now you're going and you're singing in front of people and they're singing your song like you're freaking garth brooks you know i mean that that would be nuts I, i'm happy for the guy yeah uh, jamie johnson jumped up there and sang uh, a color song It's cool. Yeah, that's good for him. I, I agree. And you know, these especially your dollar ain't. Sh- yeah, you're going to have to find that and bleep it out for yeah, the radio. I know, I know. But you, we didn't say it. I know he did, but still Oliver did. It's on the recording. So yeah. I got to find it. Mm-hmm. I'll have to remember that at the time that we're I'll in. do a word search and Descript. It'll and be look, fine. And then <laughs> and then he says your dollar ain't sh- um, <clears throat> because it's taxed to no end. Mm hmm. I think that's beautiful that that's getting out there. It is good. And it's, it's good to be, um, it, he does it, go after the obese people. Too. He does. I mean, go straight <laughs> for him. Some... He doesn't even mask it. <laughs> he goes straight for him. I didn't listen to it. Cause I, I just hate that style of music, but there were some lyric videos out there. So I let it play with no sound. And I read the, <laughs> and I just watched the lyrics of it. And I uh, love all kinds of music. I think it's a catchy tune. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. It's, you know, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying that it's just not for me. It's, and that's fine. I think it's cool to see this type of idea making it into the culture a little bit. And you can tell that these people, a lot of these people, uh, they, they need someone to say what they're feeling and to get it out there. That's why people love Trump so much. Is even though Trump has no idea what these people are going through at all, and never has and never will, he was able to present himself as someone who cares about these people and is going to fight for them. And Dave Chappelle's monologue on Saturday Night Live was... He's an honest liar. <laughs> was perfect. Yeah. Was absolutely perfect. By the way, we're going to see... We are, yeah. Dave Chappelle. Sometime in, about in September, right? Sometime? Mm-hmm. That'd be good. His monologue, that was so good. We're going to go see Anthony Jeselnik, too, in September. I'm pumped about that one. Mm-hmm. That's going to be fun. Got two comedy shows in a row. I know. I'm pumped. 
Okay. Uh, it, you owe me money, by the way. I know. You're right. <laughs> you, to be fair, you didn't ask me about the Chappelle one. So, yeah. I mean, we'll, I could take somebody we'll talk else. about That's that. <laughs> we'll talk about that. I'll invite somebody else. It'll be all right. Okay. Now, what we're uh, discussing here, uh, here's an article from CNN. Maybe someone from the live group. <laughs> probably could. Could probably do that. I won't have COVID by that time. No, you'll be fine. As far as I know. Uh, If we scroll down to the CNN article, U.S. inflation means families are spending $709 more per month than two years ago. They just they just don't know the data, Charlie. (laughs) That's the thing. They're confused. They're confused. Yeah. And the facts don't care about their feelings. They don't understand how good they have it. Mm -hmm. Uh, They say U.S. inflation has had a snowballing effect on family budgets by snowballing. What they mean is we had inflation and then we had inflation and then we had inflation and that snowballs into inflated prices mm. with all of those years added up. Uh, a typical American household spent $709 more in July than they did two years ago to buy the same goods and services, according to Moody's analytics. Well, this should be fine, though, because the average family saved $2,000 from Obamacare on their on their health insurance. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. So that they're By still switching to Obamacare. They're still up thirteen hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. They got to keep their doctor too. <laughs> yeah, of course. But if they like them, they got to keep yeah. their doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, that figure underscores the cumulative impact high inflation has had on consumer finances, even as price growth has cooled considerably in recent months. That is the. That's the message that they're selling. By the way, price growth has cooled in recent. It's still price growth. It's still it's still price growth on top of price growth on top of price growth over the last several years. So things are still much higher. And okay, as the price gets higher, the even the the smaller percentage means it's going to cost more. It's a smaller percentage of a higher number. Exactly. Yeah. And that's so imagine, all- okay, imagine eggs were five dollars, okay, and they went up ten percent. Okay, now they're five fifty. Okay, and if they go up. Three percent from that, or let's say five percent, that would be now they're five eighty something. Trying to do percentages in my head, mm-hmm. and then anyway, as you keep going, now add another five percent onto that, and another five, and then, and then four. If you go four percent, eventually that number will be like you're still ten. 12% of the original smaller number. Eventually 3% will be as much as the 9.1% was last year because mm-hmm. the number is much higher. So that that's the thing that they're missing. And we, we talked about this too, by the way, when inflation was going up a bunch that it was going to drop down really quickly. Because if you look at the inflation waves in the seventies, you have, let's just say like 8% and then back down to like two and a half, three percent and then like 9% and then back down to like 3 4% and then like 12% 16%, 16 <laughs> whatever it went up to and then back down and that's how it goes because you're comparing to the previous year where the inflation was really high and then you're pulling from that number and it gives you a much easier track at having a low number that year and then the next year where it's, it's a, much higher you're comparing to the previous year where it was much lower the previous year it's a year over year yes and and so we're in the low trough of that wave right now, and it's probably going to end up going back up. And that's why the Fed isn't talking about cutting rates or anything right now. But that's why we showed the overall chart, which inflation is closer to, what was it, 60-something percent? So, well, over the last two okay. years, it's like 16, 17 percent, something like that. Okay. Um, let's see. Most of that increase in spending is driven by housing costs, which have surged. 
Uh, Zandy, I don't even know who that is, told CNN an email on Friday. He added that families are also spending more at the grocery store uh, on buying, maintaining, and insuring vehicles and on recreational services like cable. Of course, paychecks have also grown over the past two years, but not by as much as the cost of living. Inflation-adjusted earnings are stuck in 2019. Even though prices have soared, real earnings, which adjust for inflation, are stuck at 2019 levels. Real, real earnings remain below what they would have been if not for the pandemic and the Russian war. God darn it. Which is weighing Putin on the and collective COVID. psyche. Putin and a virus. Putin and COVID. It's never the people that are in charge. It's not the Fed. It's not the president. Unless Trump would have stayed in office, then all the inflation would have been Trump's fault, uh, according to all of these people. Uh, it's it's not it's not the administration. It's not the Fed. It's not the government. It's not the people who tell you that they are going to be making all of the decisions and making your life better if you just give them more and more in your money. It's never their fault. You pay them to find ways to blame this on other people. That is that's what you're paying them to do. God, and then listen to the way they spend this math at the end. Which one? Just listen to the way they spend the math at the end. Looking at just the last year, Zandy calculates a typical household spent 202 more this July than they did a year ago to buy the same goods and services. That's significant, but it's still below the peak of $536 for the year-over-year metric. You just combine those two June. numbers together, and that's what you have over two years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So 536 plus 202 is 738. So in two years, you're spending an extra $738 a month, a month. Yeah. That's not no. to include everybody's uh, taxes went up on their property taxes because home values skyrocketed. So mm. the tax assessors were out running their ass off everywhere. Plus, plus my actual property tax rate went up a ton in, in, in Davidson, Davidson County. County. Yeah. It why went, do you live there? Um, I don't know. It's time to get out of Davidson County, but, um, they went up the rate went up 36% above where it was before. It didn't go up 36 mm-hmm. nominal percent. It went up, you could say 1% to 1.36%. If you want to just use a nice round number like that. Um, but yeah, the number that we pay went up by 36% over that time. And the property values went up. And the property values also yeah. went up. And yeah. here's the problem. They still don't have enough money. No, no, they need more. They, they got to fight climate change too. Climate change you know? and, and the government's fighting inflation. Their stuff got it more expensive too. What about another thing? This is by, by the way, people this just is, don't understand how good Biden, Biden's economy mm-hmm. is. This is Bidenomics folks. All right. Yeah. Enjoy it. Enjoy it while it lasts. It's so good. But Charlie, what else do we have? When student loan payments resume, 56% of borrowers say they'll have to choose between their debt and buying groceries. What do you think they'll choose? Uh, well, they'll have to buy groceries or they'll die. So they're going to do that. But I, what I would hope, first off, they're just not going to pay their student loans. If they're actually in that scenario... I don't trust the 56% number because this is from a credit karma survey and they're, you know, they got a specific sample size of people that are trying to figure out their finances. I didn't get surveyed and I've got a bunch of student debt. So um, they'll probably decide to not pay the debt because they assume it's going to get written off eventually. Uh, Or maybe they'll end up decreasing some of their other expenses because there are things other than groceries that people pay for on a monthly basis. Mm -hmm. I probably pay more for a lot of other amenities than I do for groceries. If you had to choose between like 
Netflix and groceries and student loans. Which of those three are you cutting out? Student loans, obviously. Well, yeah, probably student loans or I'm going to buy like ramen gonna, or something. Well, what are you going to watch while you eat something? Yeah, <laughs> I can't eat without watching something. Right. Okay, it's not possible. And Ted Lasso's on Apple TV, so you need and that. Netflix anyway. Well, but you need, well, once need Ted both. Lasso in. Yeah, you're right. Because you have to yeah. keep eating and watching. That's true. So you need several shows. What about YouTube TV? I mean, need that. football just started. Yeah. And NFL Sunday tickets now on YouTube TV. So you got to have that base subscription plus NFL Sunday ticket. Because mm-hmm. what, what are you going to watch while you eat if football's on? Mm-hmm. College football package is coming out. Yeah. You know, every so Saturdays and Sundays. So, yeah, student loans aren't going to get paid. No. (laughs) For sure. Federal student loan payments are coming back. And they're going to wreak havoc on borrowers' budgets. Interest accruals resume on September 1st, and payments will be due in October for the first time in over three years. The the eggs are hatching, and the chickens (laughs) are finding the roost. Yep. One thing guaranteed in life, you can't... You hardly ever get rid of a debt. Mm-hmm. These people will come back, especially ones that you can't declare bankruptcy on. That's one of the hardest <laughs> ones to get rid of. Yeah. Over half of borrowers Listen, say this is a real thing, by the way. I've been paying. I I have been paying on my student. I went to school. When did I gra- when, graduate? When did I drop out of college? <laughs> Sorry, I dropped out to, to go play music in Nashville. Uh, nine. Probably. Yeah, that's probably right. Yeah. 2009. The end of 2009. I, I dropped out. I had. A semester left, <laughs> but I wasn't going to use the degree anyway. Who cares? I look just, at you now. I would have just thrown more good money after bad. You mm-hmm. know, it was a sunk cost yeah. at that time. But I've been paying on those loans. I can imagine you being a teacher right now. <laughs> no freaking way. <laughs> would I still have uh, a job? I'll tell you that. I would have been fired. Kids, to your you class. would have been talking about something that happened. <laughs> In my class, yeah. out on your podcast yes. with John, probably like, yeah, oh, this teacher got fired because he started talking about Thomas Sowell or something like that. <laughs> well, you know, that so. would be the least of my concerns. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I think uh, I was just going to say, I get it. You pay towards these things. If you just pay the minimum and you have a normal student loan interest, which my interest is like 11 percent, it's like one of the best you can get. OK, that's good. That's pretty good for student loans, yeah. Eleven percent, yeah, eleven percent. Um, Jesus, I, I have in fact paid the minimum, and my debt has stayed the same as I have paid the minimum payments for years and years and years. I owe the same, if not potentially more, right now than I did when I got out of school. And whose fault is that? Mm. Whose fault is it? Trump's. It's probably Trump's fault. <laughs> Okay, we should indict him over it, actually. <laughs> I think Trump should be indicted because of my student debt. Um, <laughs> that would be the best thing. But if we can indict Trump over my student debt, um, it's the it's still the government's fault. It's probably the predatory loan system's fault. Mm, that's what I was going to say next. Or it could be my fault because this entire time I have known that if I just kept paying the minimum, that I was never actually going to pay down the debt. Mm. I've known it the entire... I know it right now, Charlie, and I guarantee I'm not going to change anything. Not this week, at least. <sighs> I'm not going to. Man. I, so whose fault is it? It's very weird for somebody to say that those words together. I know. My fault. It's weird. That sounds like such an oxymoron. I know. <laughs> I know. I, 
It's crazy. Um, just a few more things here. 68% of borrowers with household incomes under $50,000. They went to college, <laughs> got a degree. Mm-hmm. Maybe they didn't still have student loans without a degree, but you went to college and your household income is less than $50,000. I think some decisions are being made that aren't perhaps the best. They could have been like me. I didn't finish a degree. Or if I would have finished my degree and I lived on my own, I don't know if I'd be making over $50,000. I was going to get a teaching degree. In Tennessee, I think you would now. In Tennessee, yeah. I would be. Mm-hmm. Or close. Around 50, 60, I think. Something like that. <clears throat> a large portion of high earners also expect to struggle. 45% of borrowers with household incomes of $100,000 or more say they'll be forced to make those hard choices. Just because you're making a lot of money doesn't mean that you got a lot of money. It means you got a, a lot of expenses. Yeah. And and it may not mean you're not living paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one option that could especially help lower income borrowers is to apply for an income-driven repayment plan under the new Saving on a Valuable Education IDR plan. Families of three or more who earn $50,000 or less may qualify for a $0 monthly payment for instance, that's one of the things the administration put into their income driven repayment. Now, does plan. their debt ever go away? <laughs> the debt doesn't go away. No, you just auto draft that zero dollar payment and you might still accrue interest. I'm not exactly sure how it works, but you don't have to make monthly payments. So you don't ever actually get rid of the debt. I still feel bad for these people. Do you? I do. Mm. You know, I, I don't just, know about that. I'm well, it's I'm. It's mostly their fault, but I still feel bad. Mm-hmm. It's you get into a situation that can be tough to get back out of it. Even if it was your fault, it's tough to get out of a bad situation that you put yourself in. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean it's someone else's job to get you out of that situation. It's still your job to get your way out. And we can feel bad for you all we want. It doesn't mean that there should be a gun held to Charlie's head and that his money should be given to you yep. to bail you out of your bad situation. That's so there's right. a there's a line between feeling bad for someone and being legally obligated under threat of death to take care of people. Because I went to college. Mm-hmm. Went to a year, a year and a half of schooling, post-high school, nursing school. But I was fortunate enough to have a full-ride scholarship and uh, other money that they gave mm-hmm. me to go to school for that. And uh, didn't have to pay any of it back. Yeah. I had scholarship, too, for the first couple. I I went to four and a half years of college, mm-hmm. and I only I only came out with $18,000 in and debt. And I knew back right. then it was a scam. <laughs> yeah. So here's the deal. Here's the point of the show, because we do gotta, we got to wrap up. Um, Bidenomics, Charlie, we are made to believe, and we could probably scroll through the president's Twitter And all of the shills with the Harry Sisons and the other people who are paid to say nice things about how great the country is right now. And we see just how great people are doing and just how great Biden's doing on this economy and how we've added so many jobs. And he'll even say the wages have gone up, you know. And if you're not with them, then obviously you're not looking at the data. Yeah. Yeah. But then you look at Your things like this. You look at things like this and you say 56% of borrowers say they'll have to choose between their debt and buying groceries. Is that an amazing best economy that we've ever been in when you have to go back to paying your loans, which you had to pay back in early 2020, you had these same loans that you were being forced to pay. 
And now that they're going to start saying that you need to pay these loans again, well, you might not even be able to buy food anymore. You might be on the bread lines. And so are we, in fact, in a greater economy right now, or are we still just allowing people to get by without taking care of their responsibilities for the moment? And if we ever ask them to take care of their responsibilities, they'd be back on the bread lines immediately. Well, we're obviously in a better economy. Yeah. So this must have to do with some tor- some type of corporate greed. Uh, I guess it is corporate. You know who it's never the greed of? It's never the colleges. The colleges are never greedy. Nope. Somehow the colleges never teach the students to go out there and protest the colleges for having high prices. It never happens. Yeah. It's so crazy. You know, uh, Robert Wright could be out there talking about how we got to get rid of student loans and corporate greed. And he'll never mention to you that he's getting paid 300 K a year to speak twice at some college somewhere. And that that's baked into the price that you're paying for college. It's never his fault. Mm-mm. And it's not the college's fault. doesn't matter that tuition's gone up 3000% no. in the de- last decade. No, listen, Obama just wanted everyone to have an opportunity to go to school. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what we have uh, right now. I believe it was in 2010 is when they took over all the student loans. So we got this story. Then we had the $709 per month more for the same goods. That's Bidenomics, man. This is the best economy you've ever seen, man. Shake and bake. Mm-hmm. He's okay. created more jobs than the president and then the, you know that you do the thing, mm-hmm. do the math. He's the magic man. Mm-hmm. Now you see him? Just do That's right. All right, coming up, we are going to talk about some of the dumbest things of the week. Clips from all of our favorites. Liberty Night on Free Talk Live. <laughs> What's up, y'all? This is Liberty at Night with Nate and Charlie on the Free Talk Live Network. As you know, we've got a podcast that we do every single day called Good Morning Liberty. You can find on BernieLies.com or your favorite podcast app. Every week, we count down the dumbest things said that week in politics and the live group votes. And I would like to present to you some of those dumb things. As we know, Bernie Sanders is a very moral person he is a very virtuous person altruistic person and does not like greed whatsoever especially corporate greed he hates all those people that are out there taking money from you wage thieving you on a daily basis and also this from the new york post bernie sanders wired two hundred thousand dollars in campaign money to his family nonprofit. Now, this is one I was actually going to talk about yesterday, but uh, ended up not doing an episode yesterday. And I figure it's dumb enough. One thing dumb on Bernie Sanders' part here is to do something so freaking obviously corrupt. We'll get into the story here for a minute. And then the people that defend him, the people who are going to completely ignore this, that are going to ignore the fact that he's got three houses, all of that stuff. So from the New York Post... BS campaign committee wired $200,000 earlier this year to a nonprofit established by his wife and his stepson. Filing show. The friends of Bernie Sanders made the payments to the Sanders Institute in two installments of $100,000 in January and March, according to disclosures from the FEC. Those outlays are the largest from the pro-Sanders committee this year. The senator's wife and stepson co-established a think tank and unveiled it publicly in 2017 after Sanders' insurgent 2016 presidential campaign 
catapulted him to stardom among progressives. Not much is known about the think tank's output, though it appears to be paltry. This is from the New York Times article. The group's website primarily consists of links to articles on other outlets by fellows like former Labor Secretary Robert Reich III. The website also includes a vertical marketing a vertical marketing a conference of progressives in Burlington, Vermont called The Gathering. So here's the deal. This is super on the up and up. Your wife starts a think tank. What does a think tank do? Almost nothing. They try to come up with policy or they try to propose policies, solutions, as some of these people like to call them, although they're not actually solutions for things. And of course, it's super important, I'm sure, for Bernie Sanders' election that this think tank get a lot of money. And if you're going to pick from the vast array of think tanks out there, I bet you the absolute best one is the one that was co-founded by Bernie Sanders' own family members. Because in the market of think tank ideas, this was definitely the best use of the money. Right? Right? Um, probably not. I think we can guess what is going on right now. Will anything come of it? Is the FEC going to do anything about it? It's probably probably legal. You needed, you needed this think tank to do work for you. I'm sure they were coming up with policy proposals for Bernie Sanders in his presidential uh, campaigns. And so they were doing work. But are people actually just going to ignore the fact that they happen to go to his family members and pay them a couple hundred thousand dollars for probably nothing, more than likely nothing? Yes, the answer is that a lot of people are just going to ignore because Bernie Sanders says the right things and he hates the right people. And he is mad about the same things that the right people are supposedly mad about. And so we'll just skip right past this. And yes, he has a D next to his name. That's what's going to uh, that's what's going to keep this on the down low. It's only going to be your far right fringe organizations that are talking about this, and of course, they're just trying to distract from the most corrupt person to ever live, who is Donald Trump. Anything is just a distraction because they're trying to make up for that. That's what people are going to say. This is the third week in a row that we're going to talk about Diane Feinstein, and I don't even care about her that much, but unfortunately, neither do her family or friends or any of the Democrats. So I guess we're all on the same page because I've never talked about her before or thought about her as a person. <laughs> okay, this is a this is a post from Chris Jackson. Got a ton of retweets, ton of likes, and some people that also disagreed with it. Now there has been this call for her to resign because not only should she not be making any financial decisions for hundreds of millions of people in the United States or the people uh, that she represents or the state that she represents as a senator, as it should be, uh, she can't even make her own financial decisions because her daughter's got POA. But anyway, people want her to resign for some funny reason. Maybe it's the fact that she's not here anymore and she doesn't even remember how to vote yes on something. Chris Jackson says, I love you guys, but I don't understand some comments you post about Dianne Feinstein. So talking about people who are on the left and are calling for Dianne Feinstein to resign. 
because she clearly can't do her job. Do you guys realize that the judicial appointments will stop if she resigns? Yes, if she resigned, Newsom could appoint a successor, but Republican support would be needed to add her replacement to the Judiciary Committee. And I can guarantee that wouldn't happen. I'm sure she's staying in office for this very reason. She knows without her, the progress of judges comes to a halt. No, she doesn't know that because she doesn't even know how to vote yes on something without someone telling her to do it. So I wouldn't say that she knows that. The people who are handling this old woman who happens to still be alive know that. And just like you would shuffle someone around in a nursing home up to the table for them to eat or over to the bathroom or back to their bed, they're shuffling her around to different committee hearings and telling her what to say. And so on that point, no, she should not be representing people or representing her state. Also, and this goes especially for the compassionate wing, whoever whoever that is, the compassionate wing of our political spectrum. She also happens to be a human being who is not in good health and is an old woman who doesn't even have her own uh, authority to make her own decisions anymore, say financially or healthcare-wise. Her daughter's got that. And we're still just shuffling her around to work every day. Because all she is, is a barely warm body that is still doing the bidding of whoever it is that put her there in the first place. That's all she is to these people. And they know that. Her family knows that, which is the even worse part. Everyone who is in the Senate knows that. Gavin Newsom knows that. Joe Biden used to know that a long time ago. Notice I didn't say she knows that because she doesn't know which way is up. All right. So it's pretty disgusting that this is what politics has devolved into. And this would be the same thing on the right also. I mean, we see it a lot on the left right now. We got John Fetterman. We got Dianne Feinstein. We got Joe Biden. And these are basically just either old people that are being pushed around to different places or people who are mentally handicapped through no fault of their own, but are handicapped and are just being used by whoever put them there to vote whichever way they want in the process. And so it's pretty gross that that's what this has become. It's not actually representing the people or the state. It's whatever the special interest is that got you into that seat, in this case, her wheelchair in the first place. All right, the next one is a uh, video from Libs of TikTok. And this one has been pretty viral so far, this is apparently, I'll just read you the caption here. Police in the UK arrested an autistic girl for telling a policewoman she looks like a lesbian. Which is a homophobic public order offense over there in the UK. Man, thank God we broke off from those people. By the way, I wanted to remind everyone, I, I put out a little post about it, but yesterday was actually the most important day. We have to celebrate July 4th. But August 10th is the day that the king received the Declaration of Independence. All right, so that's that's when the stuff really hit the fan, right then. And then it probably took a couple more months for other stuff to happen. If anything, we benefited from better mail service, 
these days. The post office is better than whatever the king was using back then. Okay, so thank God that whole thing happened. So anyway, let's get into this video. So just imagine an autistic girl tells a policewoman that she looks like a lesbian. We'll talk about whether or not the policewoman looks like a lesbian. Not that that's important, but let's play the video. Uh, There's no sound here in the beginning of it. This is what police do when dealing with autistic children. This is a caption on the video. My daughter told me the police officer looked like her Nana, who was a lesbian. The officer obviously took it the wrong way and said it was a homophobic comment. It wasn't. The officer then entered my home and assaulted me. My daughter was having panic attacks from being touched by them. And they still continued to manhandle her. Uh, let's see when the sound actually starts here. So. You've made a comment in her own house. You've got her own camera. She hasn't said anything to you. No matter. She doesn't matter. She's getting arrested. Oh, she's she's getting arrested. Getting arrested. Getting arrested. Getting arrested. She's getting arrested. She's getting arrested. Why are you I've doing this coming? Don't worry. She hasn't done anything. She's autistic. I don't care. She's autistic. I'm telling you, I thought you were coming. She's going to be arrested tonight. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to She's autistic. Can you stop staring at her, please? She's got autism. Can you just stand there? She's in a cupboard. She can't go anywhere. She can't go anywhere. Stand there, dear. They're going to remove her for what? We don't want She said the word lesbian. Her nana is a lesbian. She's married to a woman. She's not on the phone. Look what you're clenching your face. Go away from. All right, first off, I'll pause it right here. This is an important part to pause it if you're watching the video. So the mom is saying she's autistic. Uh, The cop is saying, I don't care. I really don't care. The daughter is hiding in a cupboard, as they call it across the pond, is hiding in in a cupboard and punching herself in the head because she's having a panic attack. And the cop is saying, I don't care that she's autistic. Why does the cop not care that she's autistic? Because this police officer that we have frozen the frame on right here was so deeply offended that a 16-year-old autistic girl said, I mean, just wildly speculating or just saying things off the cuff, who cares, whatever. But she's so clearly wrong, and we can all agree with that. Why does the cop not care? Because this girl said that this cop looks like a lesbian. And um, if you're not watching the video right now, I'll just tell you the cop basically looks like Conan O'Brien. All right. Who also looks like a lesbian. She's autistic. She don't like people touching her. She will have a meltdown. She won't come out. She's got autism. I'm late. So she can come out. We're trying not to do this, aren't we? We've been trying for a long time. She hasn't done nothing wrong. That officer out there has assaulted me for no reason. She's got autism. She's autistic, man. The issue is, if officer decides to arrest her, she won't arrest it. No, 
No, but she was going upstairs and she made a comment to me, and that officer ran in my house and assaulted me and tried to get to my daughter for no. You want to make a complaint about anyway? That's fine. I am going to. I am going to. Yeah, because it is on and she has. She was full of rage and she ran in the house and she barged me into this corner. All right, we lost sound again on the video. Looks like we're back to um, body cam footage from the cops. And so there they are putting the girl on the ground, arresting her as she's screaming and crying. And that's that's great. That's great. The streets are safer now. Protect and serve. Protect and serve. All because someone got their feelings hurt. And since when is it even homophobic to say that someone looks like a lesbian? Why why does that mean that it's a bad thing? Can you not look like a lesbian? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know that that was homophobic. You can just just say it right right out. Can you not look that way? I don't know. Who knows? This is a fun one. I don't know how I found this story if it was from the live group or if it just uh, came across my news feed somewhere. But the city mistakenly tore down this man's home and now they're suing him for the demolition costs. That's right. He is now getting sued for the demolition costs for them demolishing for that demo his bed. home. I'm not going to let the city All right, take... Let me go back here. Gray has been reporting on problems with the city's code enforcement division for some time. Justin's with us live in southwest Atlanta. Yeah, and Justin, I'm standing right now on Lawton Street, but the paperwork for the demolition of what's now this vacant lot, it was for Lawton Avenue. That's a different place a mile away. But instead of correcting the mistake, the city is now trying to foreclose on this property to pay for that demo bill. I'm not going to let the city take this from me. I'm going to fight them tooth and nail. It's just a lot now. The city demolished the Southwest Atlanta house. But Everett Tripodis was served with a lawsuit from the city of Atlanta saying they intend to foreclose and take the land. When I saw that came from the city, I was quite excited. Maybe it was a letter of apology. Maybe it was a check. Uh, Maybe they're going to justly compensate me. I opened it up and realized that they were suing me. We told you in a Channel 2 Action News story in March how before tearing down the house, the city sent its notices that an inspector found the house unfit for habitation to wrong addresses. Certified letters were returned to sender. Even the official demolition hearing notice was for Lawton Avenue, zip code 30314. But Tripodis' home is on Lawton Street, 30310, 1.4 miles away. Our Channel 2 Action News. Oh, okay. It probably does. Probably does happen a lot, I would say. Um, it's Lawton uh, Avenue versus Street. It's only 1.4 miles away from the house that is supposed to be demolished. They demolished the guy's house. Not only is he totally screwed, they then try to come after him for the cost. It, just imagine, can you guys actually imagine thinking that that is okay? Like, what person in government did this thinking that what they were serving the public somehow who are they serving whose interests are they serving their own what the heck is actually going on here how do you accidentally demolish someone's house 
when it was supposed to be a different one. They still got to demolish the other one, by the way. And then you come after them to foreclose on their land to get the money to pay for the wrongful demolishing of their house. What the actual F is going on? This is what, and this is a city government. How does this happen? Someone tell me what the heck is going on right now. It's almost like there has to be more to the story because this is so ridiculous. It's hard to believe. (sighs) My God, it's pretty bad when you can't even get good local governance and you can't even get even when they mess up. They can't just say, okay, I'm sorry, and then they got to pay for it. You know, maybe they need wrongful demolition insurance or something like that. No, they're just going to, they're going to live out their lie. They're going to live it out and come after you for the money. Absolutely insane. Mike Pence, who was polling at around 6% via the last uh, 538 poll, I believe that came out yesterday. Uh, So Mike Pence wants you to know, that he is in tune with the common every man. When you look at Mike Pence, you say, that looks like a guy who drives an F-150, or actually with that curvature right there, that could be a Chevy truck. I'm not sure which one that is. Um, that looks like a guy who drives a pickup truck and pumps his own gas. And he knows the problems that we're going through, honey. Look at him. He's getting gas right now. So that's how we know. There's only one there's only one problem here. Here's the commercial. This amazing commercial made by, made by tons of people who know about the common everyman struggles. Hey everybody. Mike Pence here. Remember $2 a gallon gas? I do. And then Joe Biden became president of the United States and launched his war on energy. Since that time, gasoline prices are up 60 percent. Electricity prices are up 25 percent. Joe Biden's war on energy is causing real hardship for working families, small businesses and family farms. But we've got a plan to relieve all of that. We just unveiled the Pence Energy Plan. All right. So since everyone there is just a common everyman who does everyday everyman things or every woman, whichever one it is. I don't know. Maybe they all drive EVs. Maybe that's the problem. Okay. But I'm sure they charge their own cars. What no one noticed in filming this, you got the former vice president over here filming this. So there's a bunch of people out there behind them as they're filming this commercial. And no one notices that he gets out of this truck. That's definitely his and pulls out the nozzle and puts it in his puts it in his truck and you know when the thing keeps beeping because you haven't selected your fuel type yet and you're not actually pumping gas which by the way you don't just get out of your truck and then put the nozzle into the truck without swiping the credit card or doing something like that first um he just stands there holding the gas nozzle as if it's pumping gas while there's beeping going on in the background, which is the beep that you get when you haven't selected your fuel type or paid for the gas yet. <sighs> no one noticed this. This make like this is the best you got. The, you're telling me that the vice president, the former vice president can't get better people filming his commercial or can't notice that it's not actually pumping gas or can't notice that even if you're going to fake pumping gas, that there's still beeping going on in the background, indicating that you're not pumping gas. You couldn't have actually pumped gas for the commercial. Just one, you got one thing. 
Christopher Nolan detonated the mother of all bombs for Oppenheimer. He crashed a real 747 into a real airport in Tenet, and you can't actually pump the gas in the commercial? Come on, man. How are you going to be the president if you can't actually pump gas in a commercial? This is ridiculous. All right, we covered a lot of things just then. Coming up, we are going to cover this anti-capitalism mentality using a tweet from, yes, none other than Nina Turner, a video that went viral also, and a self-help psychologist therapist on Instagram that also hates capitalism. So that's fun. We're also going to talk about the once great Sam Harris, who we used to look up to and some of his comments on the COVID hysteria or the anti-vax hysteria, whatever it is that he wants to call it. Coming up soon on Liberty at Night. Liberty at Night on the Free Talk Live Network. Nate and Charlie. Nate here from Good Morning Liberty reminding you to go to BernieLies.com or find Good Morning Liberty on your favorite podcast app. We are going to continue through some of these dumb things with some anti-capitalist tweets. This one's actually got a couple videos associated with it. One of them, luckily, from Nina Turner. But we do have two videos. There's an article I probably won't get into. But it's going to be called Capitalist Work Ethic or Slash The American Dream. And so I I noticed this, this article from Jacobin. Maybe that's how you say it. Talking about the capitalist work ethic. And they say that if you care about human freedom, you should reject the capitalist work ethic. There was also this video that Charlie had showed me from a Instagram account that he follows talking about capitalism and the work ethic and all the ways that it can ruin your life and ruin your relationships. Uh, And then Nina Turner posted this video, uh, reposted this video Talking from a Alabama mom's rant about the unattainable American dream going viral. So let me uh, play that video for you. We'll talk about this American dream, whether or not, you know, it's capitalism that is the problem. And uh, we'll, we'll start off with this Alabama mom who's upset about what her kids are having to go through. I am so tired of feeling helpless as a parent. Yes, my kids are grown adults. My oldest is 28, my youngest is 25. And I thought by teaching them what I learned, which is you work hard, you get a good job, you're gonna get the things in life that you need, right? Worked for me, why wouldn't it work for them? Because it doesn't, because the world has changed, all right? And now I feel like I see them struggling and before my generation comes at me, yes, I understand struggling is a part of life. We all struggled, but there's a difference between struggling and drowning. All right. So we struggled and it was tough. But you know what? We made it. We knew there was a light at the end of the tunnel with our struggle. It seems like kids today, no matter how much they struggle, they just get further and further down the water into the drowning point. All right. When I was their age, I was making less than $10 an hour and I could afford to live on my own. Now you have to be making six figure salary to get a decent, tiny little place to live. 
So what the f*** is going on and how do we help them as parents? I told my son, all you have to do is work hard, go to college or join the military like I did. Um, he went to college, got his degree, got a full-time job. He moved back in with me right when he graduated from college because he said, hey, mom, as soon as I get a job, which was within two weeks of him getting out of college, um, maybe take me two months and I'll save up enough money for me to move out. Okay, cool. It's been 10 months. He has saved almost every dime and still can't afford to live. Why are one-bedroom studio apartments almost $2,000 a month? Why? Like, I, I just don't get it. So I don't even think that there's even classes anymore. There used to be, uh, you know, upper class, middle class, lower class. It's literally turning into the ultra-wealthy and then everybody else is just poor. It's the ultra-wealthy and everybody else is just poor because her kid, I, she didn't say what degree he got, but it's not paying enough to save up to... Uh, pay $2,000 a month for an apartment, for a studio apartment. Now, I don't know where they live. We'll talk about the inflation devaluation aspect of this as well, but I don't know where they live. But one possible solution is to get away from your mom's house and move to a place where they have cheaper, more affordable living, or maybe they have no state taxes or something like that. Because, uh, I mean, I'm here in the suburbs of Nashville and... You're not going to pay $2,000 a month for a studio apartment. You could actually rent a decent house for that amount of money. So first off, you might be living in an area where the cost of living is too high. Now, why would it be that much for a studio apartment? Well, then maybe some of your angst instead of the ultra wealthy and everyone else is poor. Now, she doesn't blame it on the wealthy. She's asking what's going on in this video. So you could ask what's going on and you could reach multiple conclusions. You could say, well, people are price gouging you. People are screwing you over corporate greed, stuff like that. Or you could say, well, why is it 2000 a month for that apartment? Why did it cost the people who build the apartments so much money to build the apartments? Why aren't there more? Why aren't there so many apartments to choose from that the prices are actually going down on the apartments instead of continuously going up all the time? So why aren't they building enough to keep up with the amount of people that are trying to get those apartments? Well, then you could look at rules and regulations surrounding building apartments. You could also look at rent control laws, which actually discourage people from building places like this, especially affordable places like this, because they're the ones who have to actually comply with all of the rent control laws. More expensive places don't have to. So there's some things that she could look at. The other thing you could look at was she says well, she was making less than $10 an hour when she was young. She looks like um, I'm going to say that she's at least in her 40s. When she was a kid, she could afford everything that she needed. That's true. She could not afford a cell phone. Uh, she could not afford gig speed internet. And she could not afford to pay for Netflix or Amazon uh, or any of those things when she was her kid's age. Uh, she couldn't afford a lot of things. She couldn't afford a car with the safety rating that the car she's in right now has, or a car that had all of the bells and whistles when she was her kid's age. And the point of saying all that is, we got a lot more stuff now than we used to have. And it's not just that we got a lot more stuff, we got a lot nicer stuff than we used to have. And there are a lot of things that people are paying for right now that simply wasn't an option 30 years ago, 
or 20 years ago or however long it was because it didn't exist. So she couldn't afford those things. And so therefore she didn't need any money to pay for any of those things. Also, how much money has been printed since then? Probably a lot of money. In fact, almost all the money that's been printed has probably been printed since then, which is devaluing all of our currency. And so you could, yes, also look at inflation and the devaluation of the dollar at the same time. So there are several reasons that things could be tougher now than they were back then. I would need to know what degree her son went and got and what area of the country they live in to first off see if there were some very simple solutions to what sounds like a complex problem. Also, how much money did her son pay for college versus what she paid for college? She went into the military. Hers could have been paid for. Uh, She did not say her son went into the military, so he could also be paying for that. And the cost of college has probably gone up 500% since she went. And why did that happen? The government wasn't backing all of the student loans when she went to college. And now they are. So there's a lot of problems out there. Nina Turner is the one who I saw retweet this. Nina Turner said she understands. She gets it. Every word. Okay, we can understand that that's a problem. But Nina Turner, she was not saying that all of your solutions are the solutions to this. Now, we're going to switch to this relationship counselor and talking about capitalism. Don't use this person for relationship advice. Of it or not, capitalism has fundamentally shaped and warped how we relate to each other. Do I like capitalism? No. Capitalism is fundamentally exploitive and inequitable. People over profits, tax the rich, AOC for president. But do I live in a capitalist society where the only way to survive is to be a productive worker drone so I can afford to support my extravagant tastes in furniture? Yes. I have a furniture kink. Sue me. But until we manage to overthrow the fat cats in charge and eradicate billionaires, there's not a lot we can do about our life under capitalism. There is, however, something we can do about the effects it has on our psyches and, more specifically, how we behave in our relationships. From the second we're born, we're indoctrinated with capitalist ideals. All right, first off, before I forget about it, he's talking about going every day, working your butt off for the man, basically. And uh, does he have to do that to afford all of his extravagant taste in furniture? Well, yeah, he does. He does have to do that because he wants to afford all of these really nice things. Okay, but we only have to do that because we haven't overthrown all the fat cats in charge and instituted socialism or democratic socialism because he wants AOC to be the president. So if we didn't have capitalism he would still be able to get all of that really nice extravagant furniture that he says he spends all of his money on. It would just exist, right? People would voluntarily create it. We would still have lower level furniture. And then we would also have really, really high, super nice level furniture. And you would just be able to have all of it. And some people would pick the lower level furniture and some people, only him probably, would pick the really nice furniture. No, what would happen is everyone would pick the really nice furniture. So that's what everyone would naturally want. And so that's what people honestly just wouldn't be able to continue making because so much more time and money or effort resources goes into that. And uh, you wouldn't have the nice furniture. That's the moral of the story. But he really wants it. And so he has to participate in capitalism. 
ideals and values, whether it's from the government, our family, or the culture writ large, we're receiving messages about what it means to be a good person from day one. To be a person of value under capitalism is to be as productive as possible. And we are taught early on that our success will be rewarded if we play by capitalism's rules. Spoiler alert, the rules are a bunch of biased, unjust. Let's look at the skills and Okay, he says to be a person of value under capitalism uh, is to be as productive as possible. That's a way of saying it, but that's not the best way of saying it. To be a person of value would be someone who provides the most value to other people, like him right now, who probably posts out these videos and then offers you a way to take one-on-one sessions uh, from him where he gives you terrible relationship advice. And so he's providing value to people. And that's probably why he can afford all of the really nice extravagant furniture that he gets. And so it's not even being as productive as possible. It's providing as much value to other people as possible, which is why capitalism is so great, because that is how you get value in return. It's people trading value what what they can create of value, what they can produce or provide as value for what other people provide as value, and then win-win, right? Traits encouraged under capitalism, proving that you're the best and better than anyone else, exerting power and control over your environment, expressing yourself the loudest, being competitive and taking others down, failing or pivoting if something isn't working. But here's the catch. While these traits might be advantageous in the competitive world of capitalism, they don't translate well into our personal relationships. Our partnerships aren't marketplaces to be won. Instead, they should be safe spaces where understanding, compassion, and genuine connection thrive. It's vital to pause and reflect. Are the tenets of capitalism subtly affecting how you treat your sweetie? Be proactive. Challenge yourself to recognize and change these patterns. After all, while we might be products of our society, we hold the power to determine how we show up in our most intimate connections. I'm not going to get into the relationship aspect of it, but I think he's I think you're right about some things. For instance, if you imagine like your cutthroat businessman uh, or woman or whatever they uh, that gets to the top. You, you know the kind of thing that I'm that I'm talking about. Okay, that's probably not great in your relationship, but it would also be good to uh, not just you see in your in your socialist relationship. Uh, what you would then expect is for someone to just keep providing you with value and give you what you want, and that you never need to provide anything to them in return. Now, does it have to be transactional purely, like you're keeping a ledger? No, but morally. You shouldn't just sit there and get take, take, take and take from people and then never give them anything back and expect them to be fine with that. And that's actually more of a socialist or collectivist way of going through relationships. It's kind of OK, I'll give you one thing with relationships. I do think relationships are, are kind of a market. I think of relationships as kind of a market for instance, if my wife were to leave me, which is never going to happen, okay, because I'm awesome. But if she were, I kind of look at that as a market and it's my job to be better than any of her other options, right? Is that a bad way of looking at things? Like, I want to be her best option. 
doesn't that make me better? And doesn't that make her better? If she does the same thing, I, I, I feel like that's a good thing. Instead of just locking someone into it and they have to put up with you no matter how terrible you are because you have a monopoly somehow. That doesn't sound good. I think a, a marketplace is good. A, mor- a moral marketplace in a relationship is good. So uh, I, I, I don't understand what's wrong with that. Is that capitalism? I don't, I don't know. I'm not really sure. Okay, we'll move on. That was uh, That's number seven. I'll skip the article because I already kind of told you what it was about. They say Jacobin or however you say it, Jacobin. The capitalist work ethic insists that we keep our hands down, heads down, and work endlessly, even if our job is degrading. Democratic socialists want to free workers from drudgery so we can develop our full human potential and simply enjoy the one life that we have. As far as we know, whatever jobs that people are doing that people consider to be degrading or the the drudgery that you're going to be freed from. This is a very common question that is like one of the most obvious go to's that people have always had. And it's become cliche. Who's going to do those jobs? People are doing them right now because they're necessary, because they're needed. We know that they're necessary and needed because people turn over their money for those jobs whatever it is that those people are putting out. So we know that they're necessary. If they weren't necessary, then they wouldn't exist, or the government would be forcefully taking our money and paying people to do them. And so distorting the market at that time. But they are necessary because people freely decide to hand over their money for whatever it is. And so who's going to do them? And so then you would say, well, it'd be people that want to do those jobs. Well, then why aren't those people doing those jobs right now? Why aren't the people who are naturally going to want to do those jobs under socialism just going and doing those jobs right now? And then the people who don't want to do them going and doing other jobs that they actually want to do. I think that these are questions that need to be answered, although no one's going to answer them. But we know the answer to them. Sam Harris, poor Sam. He got TDS really bad. And then he got the uh, the COVID hysteria really bad. Decided to become a tyrant authoritarian. Or maybe he was always that way. I don't know. But he used to say some pretty smart things. And he's been in favor of the vaccines and the mandates. Mainly the vaccine mandates and all of the COVID lockdown stuff. Basically the whole COVID regime thing. And here's one minute posted out by Dave Smith. Thanks for posting this out, Dave. Explaining why he is in support of these vaccine mandates or how things could have been different. He's just making up a new scenario, essentially. And so let's listen to his new scenario and then we'll talk about it. You know, but dial up the the deadliness of the pathogen. You know, give us something like, you know, airborne Ebola that incubates for a month. You know, you don't know you have it and you're, you're walking around spreading it and it's got you know, a 75% fatality rate, and it's mostly killing kids, no one gets to make that choice anymore. I mean, then uh, literally the the cops come in and vaccinate you. I I would say that all of us would agree to that. The moment, again, that you turn up the lethality uh, on on the pathogen, you turn up the effectiveness of the vaccine, you turn down the risk of the vaccine. Give me a truly safe vaccine where there's not even one documented case of vaccine injury, right? So that then you just have to be completely crazy to be worried about being vaccinated in that env- in that kind of environment. Then it's just a no-brainer. Then then we just don't tolerate 
a diversity of opinion because the stakes are too high. It's, it's a full-on emergency. Bodies of kids are being stacked up in parks, right? We, we, there's so many of them, we don't know what to do with them. We've got these mobile morgues, and we have a vaccine that actually works, and then we've got RFK Jr. saying, you know, Maybe you don't want you know maybe you don't want to get the jab on Rogan's podcast, right? That's that that's the the world I've been worried about ever since. Okay, if he's legitimately worried about that world, then there's something wrong with his brain, and that's fine. If there's something wrong with his brain, that's fine. But just think about what he describes. First off, he. He's been worried about this since COVID because of the way that people reacted to COVID and the vaccines and the vaccine mandates and the lockdowns and all of that. And he brings up RFK for being anti-vax or saying that some people shouldn't take the vaccine. So he's been worried about this. So then he lays out a scenario where we have a 75% mortality rate. We have a 100% effective vaccine with a 100% safety rating as well which makes it a miracle medication and the only medication to ever exist that would be this way. But anyway, so imagine we had a 75% mortality rate and a miracle medication that was 100% effective and safe, verified. Then you could not tolerate a diversity of opinion. And so that is what he is worried about. He's worried about the principle of the matter. He's laying out this straw man, I guess is what you would call it, argument to make the case for why people shouldn't have been this way during COVID. But the problem is COVID was not this thing that he is laying out. COVID had a less than 1% mortality rate, has a less than 100% mortality rate, more like 0.5 or like 0.3% mortality rate. And it's mostly people who are elderly or immunocompromised. The vaccines originally were supposed to be 95% effective. They were out the gate less than 95% effective. Uh, Drops down to very, very low rates. I'm not going to try and quote any rates because I don't want them to be wrong right now. But very, very low. Okay, so we got that. Also, there seems like there are some side effects. I don't have any proof of those side effects. I can make the assumption that there are side effects because other medication that exists has side effects. Every single one of them has side effects. You guys ever watch the medication commercial? All right. You got a woman pushing her kid on a swing for five seconds, and then they read all the different ways that you could die from this medication. And that's what a medication commercial is. They've even gotten so, they've gone so far down this, uh, this list on side effects, the legality of it. This is why you haven't seen an actual commercial for the vaccine. Uh, but you, you see like public service announcements to get vaccinated. You don't see a commercial from Pfizer for the vaccine because they're legally obligated to list out all of these things that people have been saying exist and that they've been getting censored for. So you're not going to get a commercial for it. They even have to tell you not to take it if you're allergic to it. Like there are medications out there and on the list, they tell you don't take it if you're allergic to this medication. That's how many dumb things they list out, but we don't get anything about the vaccine. Okay. Sorry. Let's get back to the Sam Harris thing. If this were the case, 
you would not have to worry about people's diversity of opinion. They would be aligned in one specific direction in a couple different ways here. If you had 75% mortality rate and you had a vaccine that was even close to 100% effective, people would be killing people that are in line to get to the vaccine. All right? I would be in line for the vaccine. And you got a 100% effective vaccine. He's saying that you can't tolerate people who refuse to get vaccinated. The cops have to come to your house and vaccinate you. That's also an interesting idea, given the fact that it's a 100% effective vaccine, meaning that anyone who chooses to get the vaccine is protected from people who did not get the vaccine. So why would you have to go to people's houses and forcefully vaccinate them? since people are not going to spread it to other people and they're not going to contract it if they've gotten the vaccine, meaning it's a personal choice at that moment. So then why still would you have to mandate it? Even the insane hypothetical he lays out makes no sense. That is not what people... People reacted this way because we had an extremely low mortality rate and we had rushed vaccines and we had side effects we had a lot of problems going on there. We had the COVID regime. We had the Fauci doublespeak, all this stuff going on. That's why people reacted the way that they did. And you can't take this reaction and apply it to the deadliest thing that's ever happened in human history with the perfect from on high vaccine as an option for people to take and say that they would react the same way. That's completely ridiculous. Fear mongering and say, I don't know, whatever trip, whatever acid trip or mushrooms or whatever he went on he never came off of it all right y'all liberty at night on free talk live we're done for the week we'll see you again next tuesday night remember we got a podcast that we do every single day of the week called good morning liberty you can find us on your favorite podcast app or you can go to burningalize.com you can hang out with us in the live group you want to go to join gmail.com you can join our private discord server and hang out We'll see you again Liberty at night on Free Talk Live. If you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the Realtor Mark Ward. Now you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in New Hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime. Our friends at Porcupine Real Estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by New Hampshire citizens. Reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com. Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. Porcupineralestate.com